So everyone is expecting uh, some type of fantastic intro where there's noise, and if you've watched Hard Knocks recently, you have, you know, that raider as the autumn wind blows in and all of that stuff, and uh, you're not going to get that here. Uh, it's just going to be uh, myself, Nicholas Halper, talking with Mr. Ryan Waldis about football, and we are right now untitled. Uh, that that's our our name right now for this podcast is an, an untitled football podcast. Uh, I don't know if you like the ring of that, Ryan, but I think it could stick and it's different uh, from everyone else. But we are beginning this journey right before the season kicks off. I'm very excited that football is back in the fold. We have drafted our fantasy teams. We are looking forward to maybe betting some over unders. Now that gambling uh, is legal for a second year in a row for football, but I'm really getting into it. But before we we dive into standings and pickums and all of that stuff, Mr. Waldis, it has been some time. How are you doing? This is your first official semester that you're not going to school. A semester has started for colleges, but you are not going now. How does it feel? How are you doing? It's I'm good, thank you. It's a little weird. Right. So um, I, I see pictures from my friends sitting in classrooms. They're telling me what classes that they have to go to this week. It's I can't relate to that anymore. It's weird. Like I woke up this morning at 11 a.m. Uh, I just stayed in bed for another hour. I, I didn't have to worry about going to any classes, buying any textbooks. I'd had no responsibilities the day after Labor Day for the first time in I don't know, I guess 16 years would be accurate. It was it was weird. It's it's a weird feeling. I'm still not uh, fully comfortable with it. I feel like there's something that I'm forgetting to do. I'm going to have that hanging over my head for a while, but it's it's a good feeling. Uh, I'm obviously very happy uh, that I've graduated from from college and I'm excited to see what the what the future holds for me. You know, Ryan, I, I kind of had that same feeling for about a day as you guys were moving in a couple of years ago. Uh, this being now my my third, starting out third school year uh, that I will not be obviously going because I graduated as well. But you guys, as in you, Matt, Mr. Sabatino, Dylan, Nick, Bridget, Hillian, the gang, Russell, the gang was all there. So it's like I could still come to school and I wasn't going to classes, but it was almost like I was still kind of there a little bit. And like slowly but surely, I was like kind of like backing my way out of that routine. But it is weird. It is very, very weird. You feel like you're missing something. You feel like I there's something that I need to do today because, you know, since what, four or five years old, you go to kindergarten and then it's first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, all the way to eighth grade. Then you go to high school. And then if you do continue from there, you go four more years uh, to college. And now it's like, wow, that process is over and done with, unless you want to continue and do more. If you, you know, do law or some type of doctorate degree or whatever, then you continue on more. But for, for us, we have finished the journey, the great journey, as they call it, uh, is over. And now the work world, the everyday adult life begins, uh, which is scary and exciting at the same time. However, yeah, we, don't have, we don't have homework. Nice. We don't have homework yet. Uh, uh, maybe as we get older, we'll have a lot of stuff that we have to do around the house again. Uh, but yes. 
it's it's nice to be able to just go through my days and that's that's a huge benefit to not have to worry about writing useless papers five pages double spaced researching stuff that i'm never going to use in my life it's it's nice that's a nice luxury that uh, i'm looking forward to throughout this fall especially during football season because now it's i can just enjoy football sunday and college football saturdays and just watch all the games and off to have that paper that's due monday hanging over my head so that'll be nice so throughout this podcast which again i think rolling with for this episode at least we're calling it the untitled football podcast we will be talking about football and specifically it will be professional football the nfl level every once in a while ryan and i might have a little bickering moment about uh, collegiate football but we will be sticking to the nfl and hopefully we will be able to come out with a podcast once a week recapping what we saw during the season and what we look forward to in the upcoming games uh, that will be that week for this episode we are starting out with some preseason predictions it's never too late even though the season is only uh, hours away at this point that we are recording this podcast but Ryan before we jump into what we are looking at this season kind of want to talk a little bit about what we saw last season starting Uh, In the AFC with the champions, that would be uh, the New England Patriots. And I think that we can agree that for most of the teams that we saw compete in last year's AFC playoff, uh, we don't think that there are going to be many changes there. No, it's it's I don't want to say that the AFC is kind of the the boring conference this year, but uh, you kind of know what you're going to get now, I think. And, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. There's a lot of talented teams in the AFC at the top. They're very entertaining to watch when they're, when they're going, but I mean, you can expect the the same four or five teams to, to be in there. I think I remember you saying that you had maybe one team that was different from last year. So, I mean, there might be one or two teams that sneak in like they do every year. There's always that team that no one really expects that, you know, manages to sneak their way in, but It'll, yeah, it's, it'll be entertaining, but I think at the end of the day, we all kind of have a good idea about what's going to happen in that conference. Looking at the standings, it was the Kansas City Chiefs that took home the number one slot at 12 and four. Then it was the Patriots at 11 and five. Houston Texans and the San, Sandy, I almost said the San Diego Chargers, Los Angeles Chargers were the next two seeds at 12-4 and four and 11-5, and five, and then the Baltimore Ravens and the Indianapolis Colts rounded out that conference at 10-6. and six. Pittsburgh Steelers and the Tennessee Titans just missed out. Pittsburgh went 9-6-1 and one, while the Titans went 9-7. and seven. So, so close. But Ryan, there's a team in there, a team in there that I know that we're going to talk a lot about, and it was the team right after the Titans at 7-8-1, and one, the Cleveland Browns. Ryan, they are the hot ticket item when it comes to the sports betting world right now. A lot of people are throwing money on the Cleveland Browns. Before we jump into our picks, just talking about the Browns, how do you feel about all this energy that's coming around Cleveland right now and, and all the hype? Are they really going to live up to winning the Super Bowl, though? I think that's a little too far. I think we need to pump the brakes a little bit on the Browns. I'm excited because 
in my lifetime, there's been one year, I want to say, when the Browns were good, and that was 2008 when they had Derek Anderson at the helm. So it's fun to have these new teams kind of rise up and start to maybe challenge some of these longtime contenders. But to say that they're going to make the Super Bowl and that this guy's going to win MVP and this and the other thing, I think we just need to calm down just a little bit. I think that they're a very talented team on paper. I think that they can definitely make the playoffs as long as they have a solid year, but you're looking at a team that hasn't made the playoffs in a very long time. So I think maybe just seeing if they can win a playoff game before we start saying that they're going to take the entire thing. I think that's more reasonable, but it's exciting to see the Browns good. Again, as I said, they have a lot of exciting talent. They have some veterans. I like the coaching staff they assembled, but it's it's fun to have a good Cleveland team. I think the league is better when Cleveland's good. You named one Cleveland Brown on that team. I will try to name another. I'm going to go with wide receiver Braylon Edwards. Going back to those OG Brown teams that were very, very close. I remember, I think it was the Steelers that they actually lost to in Week 17 that would have really uh, gotten them into a spot. Right? I don't think they made the playoffs that year. I think they were just one game short, and they needed to win that one week. Uh, to get their way in, if I'm not mistaken, I think. I th- yeah, un- unfortunately, they didn't make it that year, which was a shame because they had played very well that year. But unfortunately, as you said, I think they finished ten and six, and they were just one Damn. game out, which was a 10 shame. Ten and six, <sighs> ten and six doesn't get you in the playoffs. All right, uh, Ryan, another team uh, in the AFC that I want to talk about real quick before we bump on over to the NFC and talk about what they did last year. Uh, is the Indianapolis Colts, a team that a lot of people were expecting to possibly be in an AFC championship game, maybe going against the Chiefs and Mahomes, the Patriots and Brady. We just talked about the Browns, maybe Baker, you know, and who knows what, you know, teams in their own division are going to do with Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans. But Andrew Luck decided to step away from football. He was mentally and physically worn out. And now this team goes from an AFC championship possible Super Bowl contender to maybe a I don't want to say a dumpster fire but definitely a team that you're saying is more towards sitting on the fence uh, and not really competing for anything you know what's the outlook now for the Indianapolis Colts because I can't see them getting many wins without a guy that many people would argue is a top five quarterback for the next say six seven years if he decided to play football. You know, I think they'll be fine. They're not the Super Bowl contender that they were about a couple of weeks ago before Luck retired. But you're looking at a team last year, Nick, that put up 27 points a game. They were a top five scoring offense, but their defense was, I think, even better. And it didn't get talked about a lot. They finished 10th in the league uh, in, in points against. They only let up about 21 a game. It's a team that started off really slow under their first-year head coach, Frank Reich, who, of course, I'm very familiar with as an Eagles fan. He did magical things for, for the Eagles in a short time there. They started off 1-5. and five. It seemed like it was just going to be another one of those years for Indy, but then they rattled off wins in nine of their final 10 games, and it could have been 10 out of 10 if it wasn't for a, a 6-0 loss to the Jaguars that was kind of sprinkled in there in the middle, but the team, the offense, with luck behind it, it looked, it was probably the the best the Colts have looked, I'd say, in about five or six years. So there was obviously a lot of reason for hope, but as you mentioned, luck stepped away, he retired, but I think they'll be fine. I think Jacoby Brissett is, I'm not going to say overlooked or underrated. I think that he's a serviceable quarterback. He'll flash some 
some dominating traits from time to time, but I think at the end of the day, he'll be a little inconsistent with that. But I think they'll be fine. I think the defense will come back. They'll have a good year. They have a solid offensive line for the first time in I don't know how long, and they still have solid they still have solid guys on the offensive end. I think you knock down Ty, you knock down Marlon Mack a little bit without luck being there, but I you know I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but I think that they will. They'll be a tough team to face week in and week out. You know, it's just very disappointing that Andrew Luck could have been playing behind. Uh, a good offensive line with T.Y. Hilton and those two tight ends in Ebron and Doyle. You have a, a very capable running back in Marlon Mack, and if those defensive guys could just stay healthy, Malik Hooker could just give you, you know, what everyone was expecting out of Ohio State. And you know, if the offensive line had maybe been built a little bit earlier, Luck doesn't feel the way that he does, and it's very disappointing to see that he uh, felt the way that he did, but I'm really glad that Andrew Luck sat down, took the time to realize that at the end of the day, this is just a game, and his well-being is more important than playing a silly game and the amount of money that he could make. Uh, The Colts did a good thing by not having to take money away from him. They're like, here you go, and I, I don't know if people will sit there and say that, you know, it was... It's the right thing to do, but I don't know if it's going to make people happy when they sit there about because people are like, oh man, he's getting paid, he should play. Look, you have no idea. I have no idea. People that have played football are even going to understand the amount of pain that this man went through. But for him to be able to take the time, sit down, realize that the right thing for him to do is to step away. Because you know what? To all the Colt fans out there, do you really want a man playing if he's not all into it? Do you really want that guy going out there if he's not 100% invested into winning football games? That's not going to put the best product out on the field. And you need the best product out there if you're going to want to compete and win a Super Bowl. The starting quarterback, though, Jacoby Brissett, did get uh, an upgrade. He went from backup to starter, and because of that, they decided to pay him. Got a two-year extension for 30 mil, so good for him. Now, as you said, Ryan, it's time for him to put up and see if we can get some flashes out of him, maybe mold uh, into a usable quarterback. Serviceable right now, I think, is a a perfect tag for him, but Indianapolis definitely fell out of the playoff race due to that bombshell that was dropped just a few weeks ago. Moving over to the NFC, it was the Los Angeles Rams that represented the NFC in the Super Bowl. They fell to the New England Patriots. However, they did not hold... The number one seed, it was the New Orleans Saints, who some may say should have played in that Super Bowl due to a controversial call in the NFC Championship game. Saints were one, Rams were two. It was the Bears that came in at three. They were 12 and four. Dallas was four at 10 and six. Seahawks, 10 and six. And then the Philadelphia Eagles, Ryan, your Eagles were not led by quarterback Carson Wentz. They were rocking with Nick Foles. So just talking about the dynamic now that is the Philadelphia Eagles starting quarterbacks have definitely been the hot commodity in the Philadelphia area. Backups have been going down like flies during this preseason. Looking at this team right now, Ryan, knowing that Nick Foles is not there and again, really getting into the numbers and when we crunch down for each division, but do you feel any different now that you don't have a guy like Nick Foles as the backup? I mean, he was a nice luxury to have. Don't get me wrong, Nick, but I'm happy that they went out and they convinced Josh McCown to come out of his retirement because I feel a lot more comfortable with him in case Wentz goes down, which 
if you look at the history, it's pretty likely that he's going to go down at some point. So I'm a lot more comfortable with him than I would be with Nate Sudfeld, or I would have been with Clayton Thorson, who's not even on the team anymore. He's actually with your guys now, surprisingly. So I, it's does it hurt to not have probably the best backup quarterback in the league when he was here? Yeah, it's it's a shame, but I'm happy now that he'll get a chance to showcase his talents as a starter full time once again, and it's. At this point, it's just hoping that Carson can stay healthy. If Carson can stay healthy, the sky's the limit for this team, and hopefully we don't have to worry about Nick Foles not being here anymore. So, Ryan, with all of that added up, obviously the team does not just win nine games if Carson Wentz is fully healthy. You know, the sky is definitely the limit. I think you're looking more towards the range of where the Bears and the Rams and the Saints were 12, 13 wins. But looking at some of these teams that didn't make the playoffs, Vikings at 8-7-1, Falcons at 7-9, and nine. somehow the Washington Redskins with all the turmoil that they have, especially with their owner Dan Snyder, was at 7-9, and nine. and then the Panthers, Cam Newton's shoulder falling off at 7-9. and nine. Uh, Feeling uh, good about any of these teams that are maybe going to crash the party and you know maybe take away a spot that one of these past playoff teams had? I, I think that definitely... Uh, you know, I could see the Seahawks, the Cowboys, you know, one of these teams in that bottom range that didn't get a bye definitely miss out to where one of these other teams that were close last year take a step and start to maybe get close to nine or double-digit wins this year. Well, you know, Nick, it's it's weird. Like, I just want to I want to name some teams here. So Los Angeles, Seattle, New Orleans, Atlanta, Carolina, Chicago, Minnesota, Green Bay, Dallas, Philadelphia. I think five of those teams aren't even going to be in the playoffs at the end of the year, which is crazy to say because all those teams are, are very, very good. A they did a lot, a lot of time. And all those teams, all those teams, you can conceivably say, oh, yeah, they can make the playoffs. And e- even mostly because, they, I mean, if they make the playoffs, it's I wouldn't be surprised if they made a run, but I'm a big Green Bay guy this year. I really, really like the Packers this year. I think last year was you could kind of see that things were – going downhill McCarthy was still there I really think that a lot of the team including Rodgers kind of tuned him out you could, I think you could see that from week to week so I think that with the new head coach there Green Bay is going to be very good I love Atlanta this year I think they're going to bounce back they had some trouble with injuries last year and they struggled to a 7-9 finish but I really think that they're going to be good this year and conceivably I agree with you I could see Seattle kind of make some noise again I know they made it last year but you know on paper, they might not seem incredibly talented, but with Pete Carroll running the ship, they're always a team that will give you trouble. Uh, Carolina, another good team. It seems like they alternate good years and bad years, but uh, as long as Cam Newton's healthy, they're another team that you could definitely see get into the playoffs and make some noise in the NFC. It's Yeah, it'll be fun. I'm not as high on Minnesota as a lot of people are, but it would be stupid to, to discount them. They could definitely, on the back of their defense, they could definitely make it in too. All right, so now here comes the fun part where we go through our divisions, tell uh, the people what records we think these teams are going to get, or maybe even close to it. I usually do pretty well with these if I will pat myself on the back, and Ryan actually doing one with you last year. Uh, And Matt, I I think the three of us actually did pretty well when it came to these preseason predictions. We're not too, too crazy. Uh, Don't want to take too many shots here, but I will say I haven't had a year yet like Peter King to where he picked the Chiefs to make the playoffs and they only ended up winning two games that year. So hopefully I never have something uh, as bad as that. But even the experts every once in a while 
have a terrible pick em year. And who knows, maybe this will be mine. But starting off, Ryan, I'm going to go with the NFC North, and it is the Chicago Bears uh, that I have winning it. And once again, just like they did the previous year, I have them going 12-4, and 5-1 and one in the division. I have the Packers then coming in second, missing the playoffs. They go 9-7, and 4-2 and in the division. The Minnesota Vikings finishing at 7-9, 3-3 three in the division. And all the way at the bottom, a team that a lot of people have been betting on. For some reason, I, I haven't been able to figure out why the Detroit Lions seem to be the hot button for the NFC North sports bets. But I have them going 3-13. and 13. I don't have them winning a single game in the division, and I kind of want to start there uh, real quick, is they have a quarterback, sure. They have a, a capable running back and carry on Johnson, sure. But I, I just don't see the oomph. You know, Ryan, you talked about talent. The Vikings, they have a defense that if they play on all cylinders, we're talking about a top five, top ten defense. You look at that offense, if they're able to control Kirk Cousins, not have him make all the big throws, they've changed their entire offense now. I think the only four wide receivers made the cut. So they're going really run heavy. Dalvin Cook stays healthy. You're playing in a dome. You're putting yourself in position to win. I don't see the Lions competing there. We all know what Aaron Rodgers and the Packers can do. Guy can throw the ball wherever he wants to, however he wants to. And if Matt LaFleur is able to put it together with him, that offense isn't going to be in a funk. It's definitely going to be on the up and up. And the defense... It's still young. I got to see it take some steps forward. But again, it's serviceable. I think that it's definitely serviceable. And the Chicago Bears, we know that Mitch Trubisky is not the quarterback that the Bears were hoping to get. But Nagy is able to do things with him. Allen Robinson, Tyreek Hill, I'm sorry, Tyreek Hill, Cohen, and the new running back, Montgomery, will hopefully be enough to get points on the board and let that defense go to work. Uh, that's what I have uh, for for my North. I don't know if I'm, you know, punishing the Lions too much, but Ryan, is it fair to say that those three teams all have the talent level, and then the Lions are just kind of like there? Is that fair to say? Yeah, it's a three-team division, and then as you said, the Lions are kind of there. I don't have the Lions performing uh, as badly uh, as you do. Uh, I have them at five and eleven. I agree. It seems like a lot of people uh, kind of have them as their trendy team that could surprise a lot of people. It's, I don't know, maybe it's because I've been burnt before by them in the past. I, I, I don't see it. I like Matt Patricia. I think that he'll be a solid head coach for, for the Lions, but it's I, I just don't think that they're at the point where they need to be considered, you know, playoff contenders yet. I mean, they have Matthew Stafford, who... I think really is overrated by a lot of people. And I've said this before, you know my thoughts on Matthew Stafford. It's some people see him as this guy with a great arm that's going to always bring the team back, great leader, this and that. You know, he might be a nice guy, I don't know, but I don't think that he's as good of a quarterback as people like to make him out to be. And I think that the Lions wasted the good years that they did have with them. But you take a look at their their ground game. I think that'll be a little improved this year. I think that's why a lot of people kind of like him. You bring in C.J. Anderson from the Rams. You have on Johnson now in his second year, the second-round pick last year in the draft. You bring in Ty Johnson this year. You have a, a pretty solid wide receiver core that's led by Galladay and Jones, and then you, you bring in Danny Amendola. Chris Lacey's there too. So the offensive line being about as solid as, 
as it is, you know, I think the offense can probably be okay, uh, but I think ultimately Stafford might hold them back a little bit. Defensively, you bring in Trey Flowers from the from the Patriots, obviously, so you have the Patricia connection. You have some good young talent over there, but I mean, man, you you look at the Lions' schedule, Nick. It's it's tough. I mean, they they have to play the the AFC West this year. They you have to play the NFC East. It's there's some solid teams on this schedule, and it's it's, it's a very top-heavy schedule because after the opening game against Arizona, they're playing the Chargers, the Eagles, the Chiefs. They have a very early bye week five. You come off that, you have to play two divisional games against the Packers and the Vikings. That's maybe a one in five record right there to start before you get a break playing the Giants and the Raiders. And you know by that point, if you start one in five, you you might be out of it at that point. So. I'm with you. I, I don't see where the Lions love is coming from this year. Maybe I'll be wrong. I don't know, but I don't see it. But looking I'm, at the rest, I'm with of- you, Ryan. No, I'm totally, I'm totally with you. I, I was when I did the Lions schedule the first time around, I struggled to get them to a win. I legitimately had to sit there and say, I got to go back. I need to just refresh this whole board and come back and look at it because it's just, it's just, it's too hard. And you mentioned this at the beginning. It's too hard to sit there and see the talent that is in that division and find where the Lions are going to get one division win. For, for, for Let's not even talk about playoffs for a second. Get one division win and then somehow get close to 500, let alone you know, try to stretch off a couple wins in a row. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be very tough for them. It's, I think that, as I said, in the future it'll be fine. I think that they're building something there in Detroit, but to say right now that this team can make the playoffs and they'll be a pretty solid a pretty solid contender it's i think people are really jumping the gun real quickly on this team as i said i had them at 5 and 11 i have them going 2 and 4 in the division i think i have them winning one game against minnesota and i think one game against chicago but it's it's not their year it's just i think you need to give them a little more time you need to get patricia a little more time to build his own system with his own guys and you know maybe in a couple years we can revisit this conversation about the lines being contenders but it's not this year a lot of people i think are just pumping so much air into that patriots win last year and they think that that means something for this year and you know what that's great that's really great that they were able to do something there but playing 16 games a totally different year and going toe-to-toe with some of these teams that have been rejuvenated and changed their offense and have gotten the talent to start to pan out, that's something different. You know, one game doesn't mean anything, you know, versus an entire season's worth. No, that's that's absolutely true. And it's, uh, as I said, as I said with the Browns, that people need to pump the brakes. I think even more with the Lions, people really need to take a look at this roster, take a look at the schedule, and... You know, I understand that you know the games are not played on paper. There's a reason why they play the games, but yeah, they're played in you, Madden. If you if you use some context clues, I think it should be pretty easy to see that the lines are not going to be as good as people make them out to be this year. But the the rest of the NFC North is going to be a lot of fun to watch. I have the Packers. I changed this recently. I have the Packers winning this division at eleven and five. They're gonna. I think mm-hmm. they're gonna go three and three in the division. I have the Bears coming in just a game behind them at ten and six. They think I think they get four wins in the North, and then I have the Vikings at uh, an even eight and eight at five hundred. They'll go even in the division two at three and three, uh, and they finish behind those two teams. Uh, the but tight race. 
it is a tight race. I think it'll come down to the final few weeks of the season to, to really determine who's going to win this division, who might be out of the playoffs altogether. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch the NFC North this year. I had uh, a tough time with that after week six for the Packers, Ryan. You see that, you know, we don't know what they're going to be yet. We're going to talk about them later. And the Raiders coming off a bye, but then you get hammered on the road against the Chiefs and the Chargers, and then you got to play the Panthers. I mean, that's not easy. That's that's That could be three losses right there. That could be the season. That could be the season for the Packers if they're not able to get get those wins or at least try to grab one or two. Yeah, that's a tough stretch for them. I mean, you, you take a look at their schedule. It's very easy early on. I mean, they. I think they could – there's a chance. Is it going to happen? Probably not, but there's a chance – that they could start six six and zero or even seven and zero, I think, because you look at you look at how they start. They play Chicago on Thursday to open the season. That, that'll be a tough game, obviously. That'll be playing in Chicago, especially against that defense. It's not going to be easy. But then you come back with three straight home games, including one on Thursday night against the Eagles. You have Minnesota, Denver, Philadelphia. I think they could conceivably win all those three games. You go to Dallas, who they might have Zeke, they might not, but still, that's a winnable game. You go back home for two more games, playing Detroit and Oakland. That's seven winnable games right there before that stretch that you mentioned. Then coming out of the bye, San Francisco, the Giants, Washington, and then three divisional games to end the year. Now, the problem I think that the Packers might run into is that five of their first seven games are at home. So they're going to be on the road a lot at the end of the season. Having that late bye, I think, will help them kind of rejuvenate and recover a little bit. But four of their final six games are on the road. That's not easy. That's not easy, especially when you're playing in a division like they're going to be playing in, in a conference like they're going to be playing in, trying to fight for a playoff spot. I think that that'll affect them a little more than people think, but I've talked to you about this a little bit off the podcast I love the Packers this year. I think they're going to surprise. I tweeted this out so that way people can go back to my tweet and see how right I was. I think they're going to be very good this year. I think Matt LaFleur is going to really revitalize that entire Packers offense and bring it back to what it was when we were growing up. When we were growing up, the Packers offense between Aaron Rodgers was always high-powered. You always expected them to put up a lot of points, but over the final, you know, the, the final few years of McCarthy's tenure, that kind of dwindled down a little bit. And their offense was really bland. It was really vanilla. There wasn't really much to it. It was really just Aaron Rodgers taking the snap and just doing whatever he felt like doing with the ball. But I think the Packers are going to be real good this year on the offensive side of the ball. Not only do you bring back Devontae Adams, who exploded last year, but you have two really good wide receivers behind him in Valdis Scantling and Geronimo Allison, two guys who could break out this year. The offensive line is very, very good. You have a good running back duo in Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. You bring in Jimmy Graham from Seattle, who, you know, he's at the tail end of his career, but I still think he could contribute here and there. And then you have Aaron Rodgers, and I really think that him and LaFleur are going to just develop this incredible chemistry together. And I think that as long as their defense stays average, which I, I think it will be, you have a lot of young talent on there, especially on the back end, the guys like Kevin King, Jair Alexander, you bring in Darnell Savage Jr. this year in the first round, you bring in Adrian Amos from Chicago. If if that defense is just average, that's all they need to be. As long as that defense is average, they're going to be a team to watch this year, I think. Packers only scored 23.5 points last year. Their total point total was 300 and 76 and just to give the people a little perspective 
on where that really falls in the total standings. I believe it was the Kansas City Chiefs that scored the most points in all of football. They had 565 points scored for them. So you got to score a lot of points in this league, you know, especially when people talk about how important the quarterback position is when you have Aaron Rodgers on your team. Uh, it's embarrassing, absolutely embarrassing to not at least crack the 450-point marker, I would say, when you have Aaron Rodgers as your starting quarterback. Yeah, I, I think that you bring in LaFleur. I, I, I keep saying his name a lot, but I, I think people are kind of underselling what he can really do for this organization. McCarthy just, I don't know what happened to him over his time there, but his offensive concepts really just went out the window, and they, they really became null very quickly. But I think LaFleur is, he's obviously a young guy. He's part of that. There was a really cool article in Sports Illustrated where him and McVay and Kyle Shanahan and like that whole group, they were part of the Washington Redskins. Uh, I want to say it was between the years of, I want to say, 2010 and 2012. And they just they developed so many concepts that the league hadn't really seen to that point, but now they're so prevalent. So they really started this. They were a big reason for all these kind of zone read, read option concepts. I mean, college was a part of it, but they really kind of brought that into the NFL, and that's why the NFL is what it is today. They played a big part in that. So... LaFleur, I think, is going to really, really make that Packers offense a lot of fun to watch. And as I said, man, if that defense, not even to mention, I didn't even mention that they got Rashawn Gary in the first round, too. If that defense plays average, they lit up 400 points last year, which was, I want to say, yeah, it was kind of towards the bottom of the league. It was 22nd out of 32. If they're just a little better, and that offense is just a little better, they're going to be a team to watch. Speaking of points, we get a lot of those down in the bayou. Moving on over to the NFC South and those New Orleans Saints, Ryan. That's the team that I see coming back with a vengeance. They've been screwed two years in a row, Ryan. Just awful, heartbreaking losses. First, the miracle that was in Minnesota to where Keenum was able to hit Diggs and the guy unfortunately made a bad angle on the ball, didn't get it, and Diggs scores the touchdown. And then the refs absolutely hosed the New Orleans. I mean, hosed them. They hosed the Saints, Ryan. That should have been not only a Saints Super Bowl appearance, but probably even a Saints Super Bowl win because they had all their guys healthy and Sean Payton knows what he's doing in a Super Bowl versus Bill Belichick. But they're coming back with a vengeance. They won 13 games last year. I got them winning 12, going 4-2 in the division. Atlanta Falcons missed the playoffs last year, but I got them making it this year, going 11-5, 4-2. This is just gut-wrenching because the Falcons and the Panthers being in the same division, having the same exact record, and only being one spot away from making the playoffs. The reason why they weren't able to get there was because of the percent versus the league. According to this generator that we use, playoff predictions, uh, this is this is what it's coming down to is, is one spot. Falcons having the sixth overall spot in the NFC. Panthers having the seventh overall spot in the NFC. Same exact record, same exact record in the division. And the Panthers, you win 11 games. We talked about the Browns winning 10 games way back when not making the playoffs. Panthers win 11 games not making the playoffs. That's that's gut-wrenching. And then at the bottom of the barrel, Bruce Arians coming out of retirement to go deal with uh, crab legs stealing Jameis Winston. I think the Buccaneers are, are going to be bad this year. I, I don't see much to to be happy about unless you're a fantasy owner and you have Mike Evans on your team and you know he's going to get the ball a lot 
But I have them going 3-13, and 13, going 0-6 in the division, Ryan. And this is going to be something that happens a lot as we go through the podcast is the teams at the bottom, in my opinion, are really, really bad this year. I think there is a huge disparity between the top of the league and the bottom of the league. And I know last year was a little bit closer. You know, we only had one team that was a three-win team last year, and that was the Cardinals. And already through two divisions, only two divisions, I have two teams that are winning three games. Um, but that's kind of what I have for the NFC South. Um, I just I see, like you said, Ryan, the Falcons taking that next step forward. You talked to me uh, off the podcast about how many games that they're playing in a dome and in nice weather. Outside, I, I honestly think outside of the Bears during the end of the year. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's even uh, through playoffs. So that doesn't even matter. Uh, outside of... Is it Seattle? Nope, that's at home too. All right, so never mind. I can't find one game to where they're going to have a problem in bad weather. Everything is in a dome, and towards the end of the year, they're going to be traveling to, I believe, Florida at some point because of the Buccaneers. And also, I believe it's the San Francisco 49ers. They're both in December, so it's going to be nice weather. So they're going to have... That all air out attack with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and Austin Hooper and the running backs in the backfield with Freeman and Ito Smith. I mean, Matt Ryan staying healthy behind that offensive line. I, I think we're looking at 27 and a half, 28, 28 and a half, maybe 29 points per game from this Falcons offense, Ryan. I think they're going to get back to where they were a couple years ago and making a playoff push, maybe competing at NFC Championship game. I think the Falcons are going to be really good. I think the Saints, I want to just hit on them real quick. I have them winning the division at 12-4, and four, winning four games in the division. It's, as you mentioned, the the past two years have ended very rough. Uh, it's, the, you know, factors that, you know, were a little bit out of their control one year and then the other year was just bad defense. But I think that they're going to want to have that vengeance kind of mindset when I will pay off I don't know I, I kind of worry about Drew Brees if you take a look at how he's done the past couple of years he starts off really really good he gets himself in the MVP conversation but then towards the end of the year he just dies out I don't know if that's because he's older I don't know I, I don't know what that is I, I can't really point to one thing or the other but he'll start off really really hot to the point where at the end of the year people kind of have him in the top three of their MVP ballots but when you watch him towards the final few weeks of the year going into the playoffs his arm's not the same he can't make the same throws in December that he can make in September and I think that would worry me a little bit I know that they have a lot of talent on that offense to where it really shouldn't matter but that would worry me a little bit I think that's part of the reason why they haven't really been able to make a deep run in in quite some time so I still think they have enough talent to win the division I have them as the number one overall seed in the NFC at 12 and 4 but I think that it'll be it'll be tough for them, and I think there's also the argument to be made with how their seasons ended the past two years. You know, how do you come back from that? How can you say, all right, well, this has got to be the year after what happened the past two years? I don't know. I don't know if that would be the case. But as I said, I really like the Falcons. They don't play. You brought up the schedule. Their first outdoor game is Week 11. They don't play outdoors until Week 11. That is, this That's is, incredible. It, it's one of the weirdest scheduling quirks I think I have ever seen in my lifetime. And they have the three road games. The first road games in Carolina, you play week 15 at San Francisco and week 17 at Tampa Bay. Everything else is, is indoors. And 
I posted, as I said, I posted on Twitter, I think the Packers and the Falcons are going to be really good. That way people can go back to it. And then someone replied to me, and it, it's 1 o'clock in the morning. It got my blood pressure raising, so I just had to exit out of the app, the Twitter app. Uh, there were two things that irked me. The The one was um, if a stadium has a retractable roof, he didn't consider it an indoor game, oh, no. which if the roof is closed, which it will be at these stadiums, which it will be at Indianapolis and Minnesota and Houston and Arizona, that's an out, that's an indoor game, even if it has a retractable roof and isn't a true dome. The second thing was, and here on, let me, uh, let me bring up the tweet because this is the, really the one that got my, I would got love me. to know if this individual just happened to be born in the nineties and Twitter was around. Would he consider Old Cowboy Stadium a dome? Would that be considered indoors because there's the big hole in the roof so God could look down on America's team? That was the the whole premise behind that. But I would love to know if he would consider that indoors because if it's not considered indoors, I think the guy needs to go get checked out somewhere because I don't know I don't know how you call that outside. Yeah, that how- that that irked me a little bit. The thing that really pissed me off. Um, which then I, I had trouble. I had trouble falling asleep after this. It took oh, me a no. little longer than I wanted it to. Uh, he said, "Falcons play at least nine games in some kind of dome every year. Where did this advantage all of a sudden come from? Because I've never seen it." Now that pissed me off. Because if you look statistically, and you control home versus away, because you can't just say, "Oh, the Falcons play better in a dome than outdoors." Well, they play eight games in a dome at home every year. So if you play, if you control for the Falcons playing in home games versus the Falcons playing in away games, and you look at how they do indoors versus outdoors since Matt Ryan became the quarterback, they are statistically better indoors than out. I think that since Matt Ryan has become the starting quarterback, I want to say they're 66 and 38 indoors and 34 and 33 when they have to go outside. Now, I'm not the biggest, I've said this before, I'm not the biggest fan of QB wins. I think that that's a stupid statistic, but if you look, there's a statistical significance that this offense in particular performs better indoors than outdoors. And that's, that's not even just the Falcons. If you're, if you're playing in indoors, your offense naturally gets an uptick. So the fact that the Falcons get to do that 13 times this year, with the offense that they've assembled with the solid offensive line that they have with Matt Ryan, who was an MVP candidate for so many years. And I think he's going to get back into that conversation this year i mean he won the award a few years ago you bring in calvin ridley last year i think he takes a big step this year you pair him with julio jones mohammed sanu that's a great trio right there and you mentioned the running backs and freeman and smith that's a very good offense and not even to mention austin hooper whose people are really sleeping on as a good tight end the fact that that offense gets to play 13 times in a dome or indoors this often i think that this offense is going to be a top three offense in the league I, it, I I don't see how it can't be. And you finally get rid of Sarkeesian, who's an idiot. You finally get him out of there, and you bring in Dirk Cutter, who I think actually knows how to operate an NFL offense to be the OC. This offense is going to be great. And people forget last year this defense, if it wasn't for the injuries, they would have done a hell of a lot better. So barring health, barring this young defense who have, you know, they have a lot of a lot of great guys. You have Deion Jones, Keanu Neal, Isaiah Oliver, Vic Beasley, Tack McKinley. There are so many great – Devondre Campbell even. There are so many great guys on this defense. I love the Falcons this year. I think that if they make the playoffs, they can make a deep run. I love this team so much. 
Ryan, I want to touch upon the indoor versus outdoor argument, uh, especially for the individual um, that we are talking about here. Um, If you don't know anything about football, clearly I'm going too far back for you. But there is a team uh, which was uh, now deemed the Los Angeles Chargers, what was once was the San Diego Chargers, and they had an offense, an offense that was donned Air Coriel, uh, and their quarterback uh, was Dan Fouts, I believe. And that offense back in 1981 was the number one offense out of 28 teams in the NFL scoring 29.9 points a game total of 478 points through entire NFL season to get a record of 10 and 6 that was the number 1 seed uh in the West Division and when they went to go play the Cincinnati Bengals in what was deemed the Freezer Bowl they scored 7 points a team that was scoring almost 30 points a game in the regular season only was able to muster up 7 points due to the frigid cold weather that was at Riverfront Stadium in Cincinnati. And you can even go to one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, Peyton Manning, a man that we see all over the place in terms of commercials. But the big thing that always seemed to kill Peyton Manning was when he had to go to Foxborough in the wintertime, he would fall apart. And you would see him inside the RCA Dome putting up 30 40-point games, throwing four or five touchdowns, and you're like, man, it's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. But when the elements started to hit, they weren't ready. And it makes a huge difference when you play eight games a year inside a controlled environment to where you're playing on that fast turf. You're not going outside on the hard, slippery, soaked, iced, frozen grass. makes a huge difference, especially the ball. You know, how many times have we heard people say, You have to prep the ball for these teams that don't play outside. They put the ball in a freezer. They soak it in water. They expose it to the heat. Like they do everything to try to replicate the conditions that they're going to be playing because they're not used to it because they practice inside. They play inside for eight games. And for anybody out there that doesn't think that makes a difference, you're out of of your mind. It makes it, it, you know, location makes a huge difference. Just look at look, look look at baseball for a second. Look at how many home runs the Colorado Rockies hit at Colorado. And then look at what they do when they're outside of Colorado. Guys not named Nolan Arenado and Charlie Blackman have a sub, have a significant significant drop off in RBIs, home runs, batting averages, launch angle, that whole nonsense due to where they are and where they have constantly been playing. I I'm I would say, Ryan, if I were you, my blood will be boiling. I would have probably had a hard time going to sleep because somebody does not understand how simple of a concept that is. It's a very simple concept. It's it's been around for forever. Uh, It's I yeah I I could I couldn't get to sleep. It was one o'clock in the morning before I saw that tweet pop up. I was like, all right, I'm gonna get to sleep at a nice reasonable hour. It it took me a long time. That pissed me off a lot for no reason. Sorry to hear that. Hopefully this doesn't aggravate you anymore. Uh, The NFC East is the division that we are headed on down to. Uh, I will state for the record that even though Ezekiel Elliott has not signed a contract offer, I decided to choose, and this is all of my choice, I decided to choose that Ezekiel Elliott was going to be playing the entire year for the Dallas Cowboys and that no contract uh, issues will be holding him back. So... 
With that being said, I have the Cowboys rocking a 13-3 and record, going 5-1 and in the division, sharing the same exact record with the Philadelphia Eagles, who also go 13-3 and and 5-1 and in the division. Now, if two teams in one division are going 13-3, and it begs the question, man, Nick, you must really think the two other teams are straight hot piles of garbage. And you know what? I do. I think the two other teams that share the division with the Eagles and the Cowboys are hot, stinking garbage. That being the New York Football Giants and the Washington Redskins are both going to go 2-14 and 14 with a division record of 1-5. and five. And I want to talk about each of these teams and why I think they're going to be so bad. Let's start out with the Washington Redskins. Who's playing quarterback? Is your left tackle ever showing up? Can your defense even stop a small leak? I don't see any reason to believe in the Washington Redskins. Now, last year, and going off of what they did in the standings, yeah, they won seven games. Alex Smith was playing quarterback. Their left tackle wasn't holding out. The defense actually had a lead that it's going to protect. I don't think anyone's feeling very confident about Case Keenum after the mess that he created in Denver and now coming over to Washington. Nobody knows when Dwayne Haskins is going to play, and if you throw him out there, clearly it's going to be a mess because it seems like he's really not up to speed like most people thought he was going to be. And we all know that Gruden is coaching for his life. I think he's just going to start pulling things out of thin air just to hope, pray, that a win here or there might be able to spark Dan Snyder to say, you know what, I'm not going to fire you. I'm going to give you a chance to actually keep you know, Dwayne Haskins under your wing instead of giving him to somebody else and deal with. And you can say the exact same thing about the New York Giants. The Giants, if you really think about it, they lost their best player last year. Odell Beckham Jr. is no longer on the team, and we don't really know what they're going to do at quarterback themselves. Everyone expects Eli Manning to play most of the year, but what about Daniel Jones? Everybody was pumping their chest for how great of a preseason he had, and he's been doing all these wonderful things, and, you know, the head coach is like, oh, yeah, you know, like, we liked him a lot. I don't know why other people didn't like him. Look, man, it's really great that Daniel Jones completed a bunch of passes against guys that didn't even make the cut, but when you play against the big boys, it's a completely different ball game. You know, food being put on the table for these families are now on the line because you got to perform. you got to perform to keep your starting spot. you got to perform to make sure that you can get on the field and make those incentive bonuses. And I don't think the Giants, other than Saquon Barkley, really have anything to cheer for. I, again, another team that I had a hard time finding one win for doing the first go-around. I think these two teams are going to be really, really tough to watch this year. I don't think that there's much to root for. Again, two amazing teams in the Eagles and the Cowboys, and then two really, really bad teams in the Giants and the Redskins. And I don't see any way, any way whatsoever to where the Eagles or the Cowboys fall closer down to the Giants and the Redskins, or the Giants and the Redskins somehow creep up towards the Eagles and the Cowboys, I think there's going to be a huge disparity between the top two and the bottom two teams in that division. Yeah, I think the Eagles and the the Cowboys are definitely the the top two teams in in this division. I think it's hard to argue that. Uh, even without Zeke, I think the Cowboys would still be fine. I'm kind of high on deck, not... I'm trying to think about how to phrase this. I like You're him more as a, optimistic than I am about Dak Prescott. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. I, I think that he gets uh, some unnecessary flack, uh, and I think that he's when you look at quarterbacks around the league, I think he's a lot better than people make him out to be. But 
Uh, I want. I'll start with the bottom two teams because uh, you can knock them out a little easier. The the Giants and the Redskins clearly they're not going to be contending for anything this year. I I don't like what the Giants are doing at all. I I don't understand it. I I don't think that they have the right front office in place. I don't think they have the right coaching staff in place. Uh, I you already know my thoughts on Daniel Jones, and for those of you that don't uh i don't think he was should have been a first round pick i don't think he should have been a third round pick i think that he should have been taken much later but clearly gettleman and Shermer and everybody seemed to think that he was the guy at sixth overall and i mean they needed a quarterback so real quick ryan i want i want to ask you this because it blows my mind on how Shermer can get up on that podium and think by daniel jones by by, by first round standards Daniel Jones completing passes against fifth rounders and sixth rounders and and second stringers and third stringers and guys who got cut is somehow making his sixth overall selection validated. Like, oh yeah, you know, look how great he did against those guys that didn't make anybody's teams and didn't make practice squads. You know, that's why we took them. That's, you know, we, we knew what we were doing. Like, Really, dude, that that's gonna be the the beat your chest moment that you've been waiting for is because Daniel Jones played well in meaningless preseason games. Like, what is that? What, what, what for a Giants fan? And we are not Giants fans by any means necessary. We root against the Giants, but just for for a Giants fan to be in their shoes for a second, that what, what that doesn't mean anything to me. That's not meaningful. I don't give a damn that Daniel Jones played well in the preseason. That doesn't win playoff games. That doesn't win Super Bowls. That doesn't even win division titles. Well, it's you know, you know what it is. It's coach speak. You're you're going to say the the proper things that sound like a PR statement and you just you know, the, the media members, I'm sure, kind of can read between the lines uh like we are but i mean you can't really can't really say anything bad about the guy that your team drafted sixth overall you just have to say yep he looked really good we're excited this and that can't wait to see him out on the field uh, as in in a starting role but yeah it's uh, it's i I don't know the giants is an organization from the top to the bottom it's i i just it leaves me in a constant state of confusion uh, with the things that they say, the things that they do, the guys that they bring in, the guys that they ship out. Uh, I'm, I'm not totally sure what their long-term plan is because I really don't see one right now. It, I think that, as I said, they're going to go 4-12. and 12. Uh, I think that Eli's not going to get through the whole year as a starter. They're going to obviously put in Jones at some point. I think they might win a couple games late. Uh, it, it won't really mean much. And then you look at the the Redskins, right, or the or the R words. Uh, they they <laughs> they don't have anything right now. The uh, Washington it, garbage. It's 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 not going to be cool. Uh, some of the guys on their team I like. I like Kelvin Harmon because I saw him at Palmyra uh, when he was with uh, current Monmouth quarterback Max Smythe. Uh, they were a dynamic duo together. Uh, great connection uh, for high school football. Uh, so he's made the depth chart right now, which is nice. But you have Paul Richardson. That's probably your one wide receiver right now. The offensive line is a mess without Trent Williams. I mean, you still have Brandon Scherf uh, at your at your right guard position. But if you have Eric Flowers on your offensive line, that's, that's a big issue. Uh, and you have Jordan Reed, who has now had seven 
documented concussions. We don't I know how many. I feel so bad for that guy. You talk so about bad. Andrew Luck knowing when the right time is to step away. This guy should have done this a long time ago, but he's still playing. I can't imagine his later years are going to be very fun. But can I can I say this, Ryan, about Jordan Reed? Is it is it fair to say, with the talent that he has shown when healthy, you could make the argument that Jordan Reed physically the the physical ability that he shows on a football field that he could get maybe just maybe with the right quarterback get into a conversation with Tony Gonzalez and Antonio Gates being that kind of athletic monster such a mismatch that we don't know how to defend him you can't put a safety on him because he's too big you can't put a linebacker on him because he's too fast corners aren't really going to be able to do anything because of the ability to go reach the ball at the catch point I mean if this guy could have just stayed healthy no, I mean, it's, you take a look, he's never, first of all, he's never had one full season in his entire career, which is really sad when you think about it, because as you said, when he's healthy, he is really, really good. I mean, you take a look at 2015, which is probably the, the closest we've ever seen him to a full healthy season when he played in 14 games, he only started nine, but he was targeted 114 times. He came down with 87 balls, 952 yards. He averaged 10.9 yards a catch and 11 touchdowns. He was, I, I, I mean this comparison lightly because it kind of dilutes how good this guy was, but he was almost like a mini Gronk for, for a little bit there. Yeah, he was, he was like uncoverable. He was, he was a great weapon for that team, and it's a shame that he's suffered so many concussions and so many other injuries. It's a shame that he's never had a ton of talent around him. It's a shame that a lot of people are never going to really understand how good this guy was just because of all these factors surrounding him. So now you have him at tight end. You have Vernon Davis. Yeah, woohoo, hooray. He's he's past his prime. At quarterbacks, it's even better. You have Case Keenum, who sucks. And then you have uh, Dwayne Haskins, who I think should be starting from week one. I don't know why they're starting Keenum. I think Haskins is clearly the better quarterback right now, but he'll sit for however many games. I'm sure he'll get uh, a starting role at some point. The running backs, unironically, are actually pretty solid. You have Darius Geis, who I think could be one of the more exciting young running backs in in the entire league as, as long as he stays healthy. It's a big question. He's coming off the injury, but if he's healthy, I think he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. You still have Adrian Peterson, who, at his age, ran for over 1,000 yards last year. Now, I know that's because the Redskins ran the ball a lot, but that's still pretty... Considering everything that Peterson's been through, the, the talent that was around him last year, his age... I think that's still pretty pretty surprising. You bring in Wendell Smallwood from Philadelphia. He'll be a solid third, fourth running back. You still have Chris Thompson, who can catch the ball out of the backfield. Defensively, you, you know, you got guys, I guess is the best way to say it. You have, you have There's 11 people that are defending the ball there's against a, the opposing offense. There are 11 people that will be on the other side of the line of scrimmage for Washington, so that's a good way to look at it. Uh <laughs> I like Jonathan Allen. I think he's solid. I think you bring in Deron Payne last year with your first-round picks. So you spend back-to-back first-round picks on, on, on linemen, and even this year you bring in Montez Sweat to to be kind of part of your front seven. You still have Ryan Kerrigan, who's obviously a little older now, but he's still a threat when he's healthy. Another guy that seems to have trouble staying healthy. You bring in Landon Collins. I like that move. Uh, he he will help stabilize the. The secondary for Washington, uh, how much I don't know, because you still have Josh Norman there, you still have Dominique Rogers Cromarty. Like this defense would have been really good about five years ago, but now it's uh, I'm not I'm not entirely sure. It's you know it's 
as an as an Eagles fan, obviously you never want your divisional rivals to be really good, but it's a shame to see what's happened to the Washington Redskins. It, I mentioned that the league is a lot of fun when the Browns are good, and I, I think it it goes without saying that when Washington is good, the league is also a lot of fun to watch. This it, it's a shame what's happened to them in my lifetime. It's this was a team that for so many seasons seemed to have just so much promise, like, oh, this is the year. Things are finally going to go our way. We're going to finally entrench ourselves in this NFC's conversation for years to come. And it just never happened. And it's weird. There's one just stabilizing factor that is the reason for that, and it's Dan Snyder. And, and t- I, I mean this in the nicest way possible, so I hope people don't take this the wrong way. Now, it's not as much of an issue now because he doesn't do a lot but when Jerry Jones was in charge of the Cowboys when he did a lot of the you know the personnel moves and stuff like that before his son and everyone else took over I said that the Cowboys are not going to be good until Jerry Jones is no longer there whether that's because he dies or he just steps away whatever he needed to get out of his own way with the Redskins this organization is never going to be good it's never going to be a model organization people are not going to want to come there until Dan Snyder gets the hell out of there. And it's a shame because I I feel bad for the fans of teams that are in this situation because they spend their, their money, they, they spend their time watching this team year in and year out, and they just watch them fail. They watch them be mediocre. They watch them win six or seven, maybe eight games in a good year. It's, it's a shame what's happened to Washington. Team that has three Super Bowl titles to its history cannot really get off the ground as of recent and Ryan talking about the Washington Redskins being good I remember way back when when I was in middle school Tony Romo starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys Donovan McNabb the starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles Eli Manning starting quarterback for the New York Giants and Jason Campbell starting quarterback for the Washington Redskins those were the good old days when all four of those teams were competitive and you didn't really know who was going to come out on top until all 16 games were played it was really really hard fought You know, everybody knew that the NFC East is going to be a dogfight and you can't sit there and just pencil one team out at the very beginning. But it's you're right. It's disappointing to just sit there and see how far the Redskins have fallen. And even to this season, the Giants to where you're automatically writing them off. There's literally no chance. Even if these two teams combine, I don't think there'd be a chance for them to reach 500. And that's very disappointing for a league. That's not good. That is not good that there is one division and maybe even more as we continue to go through these divisions. But right now, looking at just the NFC, to to look at the East and say that this division only has two capable teams is very, very embarrassing. Very embarrassing for the league. Nick, let me ask you this. Since 2000, how many seasons have the Redskins had nine or more wins since 2000? I would have to say it's it's got to be, what, maybe two or three it is three. So in 2005, they went 10 and six. This is when Coach Gibbs was still there. And they finished second in the division. They lost in the divisional round. Uh, they had a down year in 06. They come back in 2007. And uh, they go nine and seven, losing the wild card round. It's when that was Coach Gibbs' last year. So you bring in Jim Zorn, horrible experiment. Then you bring in Mike Shanahan, who. I think that was, reading that article in Sports Illustrated that I mentioned earlier, I think he was the right guy. It just didn't work out. You had the one good year in 2012, uh, 
and then it's and then I'm sorry, it's actually four years. In 2015, they had that nine and seven run that got them first in the in that division that year. Uh, but other than that, this this team has not bad. been good. Yeah, it's it's, it's not really been bad. good. I mean, it. I I feel bad for the fan base. It it's just I don't know how you can continue to support that year in and year out. It's it's tragic, but. I, I'll talk about the Cowboys here real quick, Nick. I know you're not very high on Dak. Mm-hmm. I I like him. I, I think he. I mean, I've, I'll say this: I got I got them winning 13 games, even with Dak as a quarterback. But you're more optimistic. You don't have them winning as many. But tell me, tell me what I'm missing about my own quarterback. I think the the coaching staff. I think Garrett and and Linehan severely limited what Dak can do. So I'm excited to see now uh, what Kellen Moore can help him out with. Uh, the fact that Kellen Moore is an offensive coordinator still kind of blows my mind. I remember him when he was a hot shot at, at Boise State. So the fact that he's now an offensive coordinator is kind of a little weird to say, but I think that Dak can, I think he's at his best when he kind of has more command and control of the offense in front of him, when he can go to the line, make adjustments. Um, so I think that, if they put more power in Dak's hands, I think he'll be pretty good. I know his arm strength's not the best, but I think that it plays in in the NFL. But I do have them going ten and six. I think that the first place schedule um, that'll that'll definitely be a challenge. But they're going to be in the playoff hunt. I, I told you this over the phone a couple of days ago. If you win four games in your division, which you should be able to in this division, that's four wins right there. You played the NFC North. That'll be tough, but there's a couple winnable games there, so they win two of those. You play the AFC East. Those are three teams that you should beat, so that's another three wins. So that's nine wins right there. If you just find one more win somewhere, that's 10 and 6. And then maybe if they overperform a little bit and they get to those 11, 12, 13 wins like you said, like that's that's not be, that's not a homer pick. Like There's a reason why a lot of the experts like the Cowboys this year. There's a reason why a lot of people say that this could finally be the year they make a run. That this team does have talent on it on on both sides of the ball. They've ever since Jerry Jones kind of took a step back and everyone else started handling things. They've started finally valuing the trenches. They stopped valuing skill position players, which is what they've needed to do for a while. I wish it's what they did when Roma was there because he deserved a good offensive line, like the one that Dak has now. And as I said that, I know that Collins just got an extension today. Yeah, Leo. So, Four of your five offensive line starters are locked in until at least 2023. I know some of them are in 2024. So that's something that they don't have to worry about for a while. I know Tyron Smith's kind of dealt with injuries, but still an offensive line with Smith, Frederick, Martin, Collins. And then also, of course, you have Connor Williams, who you brought in last year. And you bring in Cameron Fleming from the Patriots. That's a good offensive line, and that's good offensive line depth. That's That's very good to have. The, the wide receiver core uh, is is pretty good. Uh, you bring in Amari Cooper, who really thrived after being traded from the cesspool that was the Raiders. You have Michael Gallup in his second year, I think, is going to make a big leap. You bring in Randall Cobb from Green Bay to be a slot guy. You still have Tavon Austin, who you got from the Rams. And, you know, if Zeke plays, great. That's your obviously your bell cow. But if not, I like Tony Pollard, Alfred Morris. I think that's a good one-two punch in the backfield. You, you bring back Jason Witten. Yeah, old cowboy. Whatever. I, I don't think I, I don't. <laughs> there, there were better options. I, I don't think that that. Whatever. So you look at defense, and 
if I'm a Cowboys fan, I'm really excited for the defense. Sean Lee is still there, um, which is weird because uh, it seems like he's been around forever. I guess he kind of has been around forever. He was drafted in 2010, but injuries have kind of robbed him of some of his prime. But he's still there. Uh, Leighton Vander Esch, obviously one of the best young defensive players in all football. Jalen Smith, uh, another great part of that front seven. Then the line, you still have Taco Charlton. You have Woods, Collins, Armstrong. That's a solid group in the front seven. And in the secondary, of course, uh, Awuzie, Jordan Lewis, two guys that I loved in 2017. I really hope that the I was really hoping that the Eagles would take them. Of course, you got Awuzie in the second round, Lewis in the third. I loved those guys. Uh, so it's as an NFL fan, it's nice to see them thriving uh, in Dallas. Um, and then you have, uh, you know, special teams, it's shaping up to be pretty good too. So the Cowboys, I think, are going to be a very good team. Are they going to win 13 games? I don't think so. But I think they'll be very good. They'll contend for a playoff spot. And if they do manage to get in, not even just a playoff spot, they'll, they'll contend for the division. And if they get in, I think they can make a run in the NFC. As talented as the NFC is, the Cowboys are going to be right there. You're right, Ryan. You're 100 percent right. It's 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 coming down to two things for these two teams in the NFC East. Can the Cowboys just take the step with the new offensive coordinator and Kellen Moore, and can Wentz stay healthy for the Eagles? If those two things happen, you know, and and one of them gets hot towards the end, watch out, watch out, because we have we haven't seen that yet. All of these other teams that that have been competing for Super Bowls. We have not seen that yet. We we have not seen Wentz get to the playoffs and have all the guys be healthy. I I think that is a recipe for disaster if if you're all the other teams. And if like like I say the Cowboys can just get that offense moving a little bit, maybe you know. And I'm not the optimistic one about him, but if Dak Prescott takes that step and puts that team in a much better position with Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator, watch out because we all know they got the defenses to do it. They definitely got the defenses to do it. I will Sun, say this uh, yeah. before we go on about the about the Eagles. Uh, I think they might start slower than, than some people uh, might be expecting. They their schedule at the start of the year. It's I I think it's a little rough personally. I think that the game against Washington is obviously winnable, but having to go to Atlanta on a Sunday night that's not going to be easy. You bounce back against the Lions team, but then you on a short week you have to go to Lambeau to play the Packers. I think the team could conceivably start two and two, and then I have them at seven and two before the bye week. I have them at uh, let me see one two three. I have them at six and three, so I have them losing to the Falcons. I have them losing to the Packers, and then I have them losing in Dallas on on that Sunday before the bye week. But the favorable thing is their end of the season schedule super easy. After the bike, you have to play the Patriots and the Seahawks. That'll be tough, but the good thing is that both of those games are at home. But then you get to go to Miami in Week 13, uh, and that's a nice tune-up game for that tough Giants game in Week 14. That's an even better tune-up game for that Week 15 uh, thriller against Washington down at FedEx Field. And then you end the game, you end the season uh, with two more divisional games against Dallas, and that game might end up being for the division, and then the Giants in Week 17. So I think that the Eagles might start off a little slow. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that they start off 7-2. and two. That would be nice. I hope they start off 9-0. and oh. That would be even better. But I think that that Packers game is going to be a lot tougher than people expect, and I think that Falcons game is going to be a lot tougher than people expect. 
that's the one the one of the games that I have them losing is the Packers game and then just splitting with the Cowboys they just lose the one on the road and win the one at home and then the final the final loss to get the three losses for the Eagles uh, you're playing two teams back to back one of them being the Patriots and the other being the Seahawks off of buys I think you can beat the Patriots because you have a buy as well but the Seahawks in coming off of a buy I think you're going to drop that one and then it's just smooth sailing until you get into the playoffs the Seahawks, I don't know what it is, man. It's They seem to have our number for, for whatever reason. I'm hoping that maybe Doug kind of bucks that trend a little bit. But even during the Super Bowl season when we had to travel to Seattle, that was one of the three losses we had in the regular season that year. So I don't know what it is about Pete Carroll. I don't know why this organization, even going back to the Andy Reid days, it seems like we've never been able to solve the, the Seahawks. I, I don't get it, but... Maybe this is the year. I don't know, but I'm excited. Doug Peterson said that this is the deepest roster he has had so far in his time as a head coach of the Eagles. I, I'd agree with him looking up and down. There's not a whole lot of weaknesses. If if they stay healthy this year, that was a big issue last year. They had a lot of injuries, and they still managed to you know get through it at 9-7 and seven and win a playoff game. But if this team stays healthy, it's it's a Super Bowl contender. The sun rises in the east and sets in the west, and that's what we are going to do here. Moving from the east coast to the west coast now, it is the Super Bowl representatives of the NFC, the Rams. They finished with a record of 13-3 and last year, and I think they're going to do one better as they go 14-2 and with a division uh, with a division record of 5 and one, the Seattle Seahawks just miss the 500 mark as they go seven and nine with a division record of three and three. This may shock some, but I am very optimistic about the Arizona Cardinals, new head coach Cliff Kingsbury, and new quarterback, rookie quarterback Kyler Murray out of Oklahoma. I have them going six and ten, two and four in the division, and I have the San Francisco 49ers rounding out the pack at four and twelve, two and four in the division. Touching upon those lower teams, look, coming off of an injury, not really sure what you're going to get out of Jimmy Garoppolo and that offense with Kyle Shanahan. They just had another injury with Jared McKinnon, and I know he didn't play at all last year, but again, just doesn't look good having guys supposedly healthy, and then they get hurt. And I know that Garoppolo's injury was during the game, but you want to make sure that you can get these guys on the field and have them playing well. Haven't really seen enough to evaluate this team and know what they're really capable of. Are they going to be on the fence of 500? Are they going to be more towards the bottom of, you know, four or five wins? Are they going to surprise some team and maybe push towards, you know, nine wins? Like, I, I don't know what to make of the 49ers. And, you know, my, my gut tells me that they're going to be more bad than they are good. For the Arizona Cardinals, yes, it's a shot in the dark. You don't know what you're going to get at Eclipse Kingsbury. Just said the same thing, you know, about the San Francisco 49ers. But you got a Heisman winning quarterback in Kyler Murray. I think that this new offense that they're going to bring, you know the weapons that you have. Crabtree, Fitzgerald, you got David Johnson back there. Christian Kirk's definitely going to help out a lot. I think as bad as that defense is going to be, I think the Cardinals can surprise some people with tempo and pace, and they're going to be able to score points with a dynamic quarterback like Kyler Murray. I have been winning the first game of the year, Ryan. I actually have a big parlay going to where I took them at home against the Lions, and hopefully, hopefully if that's able to pan out, I'm going to be raking in uh, some big dough. 
there with a free bet that I was able to get through DraftKings, not trying to plug it all, just trying to say where I go. But I really think that they're going to surprise some people. I think the Cardinals are definitely going to be able to take advantage uh, of what people are saying is powder puff football. But I, I really think they're going to be able to score some points and definitely give uh, opposition struggles from weeks to weeks. Not enough to really make it, you know, uh, close to 500 and playoffs, but definitely enough to say, hey, Cardinals are doing pretty well. Definitely doing pretty well. Seahawks, you know, people say that I'm just anti-Seahawks, and you know what? I'll be the first to admit it. I don't like the Seahawks, and, and I have a good reason why, too. You know, as well as they did last year, you know, you're going to have to do a little bit more now. And they got Jay Davion Clowney from the Texans. That's great, but that's not a wide receiver. That's not putting up points, and you're going to be able to maybe keep defenses you know, guessing so much with that run around backyard style junkyard football with Russell Wilson, but you need guys to get open. No more Doug Baldwin. Who's going out there other than Tyler Lockett? I don't know who the real running back is. Everyone's saying it's Carson, but last year we thought it was what? Rashad Penny, right? If that, if that was, you know, the, the coming out party for Penny and it never happened. So I have to see Seattle play. I think there are some teams that they have more talent than, but again, until they're really out there on the field, I think that they're just an average, maybe close to below average team. And the Rams, Ryan, I know you're not very high on them, but this was a team that I had struggle finding a loss. I almost went 16-0, and I said, that's not going to happen. Teams don't go 16-0. I know we saw the Patriots do it a way back, but still, it's just not going to happen. This team is just too loaded. They have a lot of guys on offense and defense. They're going to be you know, big mismatches. As, as gimmicky as some people say McVay is, I think that he's a genius, and I think that Goff and him are going to take the next step to make it to where they don't need to completely rely on Gurley to be successful. That was the big you know, stinker that they submitted in the Super Bowl was, well, without Gurley, we can't do anything. I don't think the Patriots' defense was that incredible. I don't think it did anything that surprised people. I think it played well, but I don't think it was the overall reason why the Rams played so bad. It was because Goff and the offense relied on Gurley too much. I think with an off-season of work, McVay has been able to revamp all of that. He's going to lower the load of Gurley. He's going to make sure that he can get Goff in better position to be successful. And if his receiver core stays healthy, what better receivers could you ask for in Cooper Cup, Brandon Cooks, and Robert Woods? I think this team is loaded, and if the defense does what we saw it do in the Super Bowl, play really, really well and give that most of the year, dangerous team, Ryan. Rams are a dangerous team. See, I have the uh, I have the Rams winning the division. I, I have them going ten and six. I think this is going to be a tough year for them. I know they they have a lot of talent uh, on both sides of the ball. I mean, you lose a couple of guys on the defensive side, the offensive side. It's you don't know how good Todd Gurley is going to be. Uh, from the reports, it seems like he's going to be okay, but you don't know how long that's going to last. You have Darrell Henderson, who I do like uh, as one of their backup running backs, along with Malcolm Brown. You bring in Blake Bortles. At, Cool. You have Jared Goff at quarterbacks. That's, I think, probably uh, those are two quarterbacks that I really, really do not like. Uh, The wide receiver core, as you said, it's very good. I do give them that. I think Cooper Cup coming off the ACL tear is going to be very, very good in 2019. I like Robert Woods. I like Brandon Cooks. I think that that'll be a really nice trio to have, but it's just I – I don't know. I don't see. I don't want to call it a Super Bowl hangover because I don't. I don't think that's what it's going to be. But is I it the d- target on the back? Maybe Ryan. Is that maybe what it could be? Because now everyone's gunning for them. Well, I think that's that's a big thing. As cliches it is as, as cliches that sounds, 
I think the Eagles kind of experienced that last year. I mean, they experienced it, you know, in the first few weeks of the season. It, I think that's a bigger factor than most people make it out to be, especially if you're a team that hasn't been to the Super Bowl in a very long time. I mean, for a team like the Patriots, it's different. They, they've learned how to adapt to that. But if you, I, I really think if you haven't adapted to that before, it's tough. I, I think they could realistically go into Carolina and lose week one. You come back and face New Orleans. I think you could realistically lose that one too. You have to go to Cleveland on Sunday night, Cleveland's first primetime game, actual primetime game, not like a Thursday night thing, but an actual primetime game for the first time in I don't know how long. I think they could lose that too before you come back and you get a little bit of pride. You play Tampa Bay at home, but then you have to go to Seattle. That's never easy. The divisional game against San Francisco, that's not going to be easy. You have to travel to Atlanta. Yeah, you got to go over the pond, over the pond, and play uh, the Bengals uh, at Wembley Stadium. Traveling over there is never fun. And then you have a bye week. You come out of the bye week, you play Pittsburgh, Chicago, Baltimore. I, I, I just think the way their schedule's set up, the teams that they have to play, it's not going to be an easy year for them. I know how good they did last year. I know that they didn't lose a ton. They lost a couple pieces, but they didn't lose a ton. I don't think they're going to be as good as they were last year. I think that they can get to that point once again sometime soon, but I don't think that they do any better than 10-6 and six this year. That's how I have them, but I think that's enough to, to win that division because I think they win five in the division. I have the Seahawks going 8-8, eight and eight, but you know that could... That could change. They, they, they are a talented team. Uh, they finally started to kind of address that offensive line a little bit over the past couple of years. You mentioned they bring in Clowney to add to their front seven. They really did need a good edge rusher, and I think that the Seahawks, with Ken Orton Jr. as the D.C. and Pete Carroll there at the helm, will be able to utilize him correctly because I don't really think he was utilized that well in Houston in his entire time there. I think he's a lot better than he was made out to be in Houston. You have a solid front seven there in Seattle. The the secondary, it's obviously not the Legion of Boom, but I think it plays. So I, I think that 8-8 eight and eight is fair right now, but you know plus or minus two wins, I could definitely see that. I mean, they surprised a lot of people last year by making the playoffs. A lot of people said, oh, it's going to be a down year for Seattle, and they managed to, to sneak in there as the five seed. So I have them going 8-8, eight 3-3 and eight, three and three in the division. And it's kind of the same with the NFC, so not as uh, big of a scale. Uh, the 49ers and the Cardinals, just I don't think they're nearly as close to the other two teams in their division. I have the 49ers at 5-11. and 11. I, I don't know about Jimmy Garoppolo. The, the more that I watch him, the more that what I see of him, it's, I don't know. I don't know if maybe we all jumped the gun on this kid a little bit. I don't know if he's the future there in, in San Francisco. I like Kyle Shanahan. I think that he is, was the right hire there. I think that no matter what quarterback they have, they're always going to look good because of what Shanahan draws up. But I, I don't know, Nick. I really don't know about Garoppolo. I think that we kind of jump the gun a little bit too much, and I think we need to pump the brakes and see if this is actually the guy that the 49ers thought they were getting a couple years back. And the Cardinals, it's we, we've talked endlessly about this. I, I have them going 4-12, and 1-5 in the division. I, 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 don't, I don't really like them all that much. I'm really hesitant about Kyler Murray. I don't know how he's going to look in the NFL. Uh, I don't know how Cliff Kingsbury's offense is going to look in the NFL. I think that's a big question mark uh, as well. Uh, I think it'll be fun. Obviously, you mentioned the tempo. It's going to be an air raid. You're going to see a lot of shotgun. You're going to see a lot of, you know, vertical routes down the field, wide receiver heavy sets, a lot of speed. Uh, So I think it'll be be fun to watch. I don't know how successful it's going to be. Um, I do like a couple guys on the Cardinals, though. I think Christian Kirk is going to have a big year. 
obviously my my guy Larry Fitzgerald is still there the guy that always kills Philadelphia so that'll be I'm glad that he's still kicking around the the line shouldn't be as bad as it was a year ago although I don't know how much that's that really means because it was I think historically bad a year ago you have David Johnson I think he's gonna look real good since Mike McCoy's not there calling the plays anymore defense I think it'll be a little better you have some young talent there you have Byron Murphy you have Baker you bring in Zach Allen uh so you have some young talent there Hassan Riddick from from Temple so I think they, they got some guys I think that's the best way to say it about the Cardinals they got some guys same thing with the 49ers they have some young talent but yeah I think I I will agree that it is the Rams division but I don't think they're gonna do as good as they did a year ago I think they're gonna have a tough year when it comes to the West Ryan looking at the three other teams, Seattle, Arizona, San Francisco, if the Rams stay on this path, right, let's just say this is a nice six, five-year-ish run to where they are the top dog, which one of these three other teams would you feel comfortable making a push towards maybe not knocking them off, but maybe rivaling them a little bit? I would go with San Francisco just because I like Kyle Shanahan a lot as a, as a head coach in today's NFL. I think that if they just continue to infuse some young talent, especially on the defensive end, if they continue to infuse young talent, it's going to be a talented group there in San Francisco in a couple of years. Obviously, they kind of fell way down there, and now they've kind of just treaded water for a while. But if they can just find a quarterback, and it's it's easy to say, oh, if they just find a quarterback um, – if Garoppolo turns out to be the guy or if they draft somebody else, that team I think is going to be very good in a few years. I think they could definitely knock the Rams off. I would tend to say that San Francisco would be uh, a smart pick, but my only issue is the quarterback situation. Like you said, you know, the injury, how he's going to come back from that, how he's going to evolve into the guy that we saw when he got traded over from the Patriots. Is he going to be able to go an entire year and really put the team on his back? And how is the front office going to establish the team around him in terms of assembling weapons, not only offensively, but defensively? I look at the Cardinals, and again, they're brand new. You know, it's just literally like you just opened up the box and you get that brand new smell that, mm, you know, like here's the new toy and it's Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury and we just don't know what they do yet. You know, you didn't look at the instructions. You're just like, okay, like let's see what happens. And for the Seahawks, we know what they were. I don't think they're ever going to get back to that. And as much as I, you know, give, um, you know, very, very bad reviews of Russell Wilson, it, it just begs the question of, can the defense get decent enough to where now all of a sudden it's the inverse? You know, when they won the Super Bowls, or Super, when they made it to the Super Bowls and won one, the defense carried Russell Wilson. You know, anybody could have won that Super Bowl that day against the Denver Broncos. But now Russell Wilson being a more polished passer, you know, really coming into his own as being the guy on the team, which is what the Seahawks organization wanted to do as the entire LOB and Marshawn Lynch have been disbanded. Will that be enough to rival a high-flying offense and also a defense that at times does show flashes that they could be top 10 if they're able to put it together? I just don't know. I, I really don't know how you pick one of one of the three. If, if I had to, I might just say the Cardinals because if their quarterback pans out and their coach pans out, they're inside a dome and they can maybe move towards that high-paced, score a lot of points kind of style. But other than that, too many questions in San Francisco, too many questions in Seattle, and even so, still a lot of questions uh, in Arizona. 
So looking at the NFC, Ryan, we have done all the divisions, north, south, east, and west. I have the following as my ranking system. And this might blow you away because, you know, you've been hearing a lot of high numbers, 14, 13, 12. So we'll start out with the number one seed uh, in the NFC in my book. That would be the Rams going 14 and 2. Then I have Dallas at 13 and 3. They had the same exact record as the Eagles, um, and they were able to edge them out. It says off of strength of schedule, uh, top of division strength of schedule is what the rank was determined by. Then the three seed is the Chicago Bears at Chicago Bears at 12 and four. The Saints, New Orleans Saints at 12 and four. Philadelphia Eagles are the five seed at three and 13. And then rounding out for the final spot, the Atlanta Falcons at 11 and five. And if for those who remember, the Carolina Panthers also had a record of 11 and five, but they did not get that spot. So those are my six teams that will be representing the NFC for the 2019-2020 playoffs. So for me, uh, I have the top team in the NFC has a record of 12 and four. I think the top overall team will be the Saints with the with the one seed uh, going down to number two. I have the Eagles getting in there also at 12 and four. I think they'll lock down a first round bye. The reason the Saints get the number one seed is their percentage versus the conference. Uh, so those two teams, I think, get the first round by the three seed. I have the Green Bay Packers going 11 and five and winning the NFC North. Four seed, the Los Angeles Rams going 10 and six. And then the two wildcard teams, I have the Falcons finishing just a game behind the Saints at 11 and five. They are my five seed. And rounding it out at number six, I have the Bears at 10 and six, just a game behind the. Packers and at seven, also at 10 and six, I have Dallas. The reason the Chicago gets in is the head to head tiebreaker from when they played earlier in the season. I have the Panthers missing the playoffs at nine and seven, and I have the Vikings and Seahawks missing the playoffs at eight and eight. All right, so we have concluded our NFC playoff picks. Now it is time for the AFC quick little recap it was the kansas city chiefs that were the number one spot in last year's afc playoffs 12 and 4 they were then followed by the new england patriots who went 11 and 5 then you ended up having the houston texans and the baltimore ravens and then squaring it out was the los angeles chargers and the indianapolis colts chargers went 12 and 4 as well unfortunately they did not have the tiebreaker over the Kansas City Chiefs, and instead of having a bye, they had to play in the divisional round and wild card rounds, respectively. So, Mr. Waldis, we ended in the West for the NFC, and I think that we should stay over there for the AFC. I think we're going to see a lot of the same. Patrick Mahomes was the MVP last year, led the highest scoring offense, 565 points. They were absolutely incredible, and I think they're going to do the same Again, I have the Chiefs going 13-3. and three. I don't see them losing many games, and it's possible that doing this for the first time when I was going through all their games, I actually had them undefeated until the bye week. And I don't think that is impossible. With the amount of firepower that they have, I think the defense will be a little bit better. I don't think it's going to be much better, but a little bit better. And I'm really looking forward to see Patrick Mahomes 
uh, quiet some of these talking heads who think that last year was a one-hit wonder. I don't know where that came from. I, I don't know what they were watching, but you could see the pure talent that he had at Texas Tech Go back and watch that game that he played against Oklahoma. Him and Baker were just slinging the ball all over the place. And a buddy of mine, Louis Denza, used to tell me, like, Nick, this kid is going to be the next best thing. He's going to be so good. And I, I was all about Mahomes. I did not know he was going to be this amazing. But the arm talent, the IQ, and you couldn't ask for a better duo with him and Andy Reid. I know a lot of people give Andy Reid flack, but this guy is really, really smart. He makes quarterbacks better. He takes guys and molds them and gets the best out of them. Sometimes his playoff record is what holds him down in overall standings of coach legacy, but you have to just credit the guy for what he's able to do. And he has so many weapons, so many weapons at his disposal. I think this team is going to be flying on all cylinders. Once again, the Chargers, they're going to be there. And a 12-4 and record is what they had last year. I have them at that as well. I don't see them beating the Chiefs, though. Uh, I had the Chiefs going 6-0 in the division. I had the Chargers going 4-2 uh, and two in the division. Again, going through it, I almost had them undefeated at the bye. And it's, it's, it's incredible to sit there and think that two teams that have you know, Week 12 byes might be undefeated, but they're so talented. I know Melvin Gordon's not there, but Phillip Rivers, that offense, even without Derwin James on the back end, that defense is still really, really good. They have great bookend defensive ends. They're going to rush the pass. They're really, really cause nightmares for opposing offenses, especially the quarterbacks. And once again, just like I did with the NFC East, when you have two teams that have that many wins at the beginning, you're going to have two teams that aren't doing so well in their division. But it's not as bad as you think. I have the Broncos at 6-10, and 10, going 1-5 in the division, and I also have the Raiders, even with all the new weapons that they have, at 6-10. and 10. I think Gruden needs one more year to maybe get things back to 500. I don't think playoffs is in the near future, but who knows? Maybe we'll be surprised uh, by what the Raiders do. The whole Antonio Brown situation with the helmet was just head-scratching, and it's hard to pick this team when we don't know what they're going to throw out there. You go back a couple years, Derek Carr doesn't get hurt. He's possibly going to win MVP. The Raiders are possibly going to be playing the Patriots in the playoffs with the way that they were playing, and it just didn't happen. And ever since then, you hear all these reports that they were changing the offense, they were trying to you know rekindle things, and it just wasn't working for Carr, and that's why Del Rio had to be let go, and Gruden ended up coming back into the coaching realm. And now they got Antonio Brown, they got Vontez Perfect. You know, they drafted Jacobs in the first round. I mean, this is going to be a new-look Raider team. But is it going to be enough? Is it going to be enough to get you to 500? Not talking playoffs this year. At least get to 500. I don't think so. I don't think the Raiders are there to where they can be competitive week in and week out. I think there are just some teams on paper that are just flat-out better than them. And until they can fix that, they're not going to be anywhere close to the playoff look. So uh, we're we're pretty similar, I think. Uh, we have the same division order. The records are just a little different. I have the Chiefs going 12-4. and four. You mentioned that they could really go undefeated before the bye, and I don't think people would be too, too surprised. I have them going 9-2. and two. I have them dropping games to the Packers at home and the Chargers down in, in Mexico. But they have a lot of winnable games very early on. They're a very talented team. Of course, you, you mentioned it starts with Patrick Mahomes, but... The, the three-headed monster they have a running back now, the additional LaShawn McCoy, who I think people are really writing off a little too quickly. He struggled last year, but that Bills offense was not conducive to 
to the way that he plays, the way that he runs. I think Reed's going to get the most out of him. You have him, you pair him up with Damian Williams. That's a great one-two punch. You even throw Darwin Thompson, their sixth-round pick, in the draft this year into the mix. That's that's a, a really enviable situation to be in uh, if you're the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course, everybody knows about Travis Kelsey, not only the top tight end in football today, but I'd say one of the, the best offensive threats. And you, you match that up with Tyreek Hill, uh, and Sammy Watkins, you have the rookie Michael Hardman, who figures to figures to contribute this year uh, a little bit. The defense obviously is a little bit of a question mark. Uh, you bring in Honey Badger from the from the Texans to put into your secondary. You draft Rashad Fenton, a six round rookie who should get some run this year, along with Juan Thornhill. You pair them up with Daniel Sorensen and Bashad Breeland. Front seven, I think it leaves a little to be desired, but I think that they can, you know, I think that they can play, and I think that they'll be fine in that aspect. I mean, the offense is so high-powered. I think that'll make up for any flaws that the, the defense might have. And then their special teams, I'd like to think, is, is one of the better units in the league. So you have Colquitt and Butker there, uh, great, great special teams aces. So... I'd be really excited for this season from a Chiefs fan. You know they have a bad taste in their mouth after how the season ended last year. So I'd be excited this year if I'm a Chiefs fan. They're definitely going to be one of the teams there at the end. And finishing second in this division, I have the Chargers going 11-5, and 5-1 and one in the division. This team is is really, really good. It's, it's really a shame that this team has never even made the Super Bowl in Phillip Rivers' time. It's just year in and year out. They think they usually have so much talent. There was that stretch a few years ago when they were kind of, you know, a little off. But for the most part, this is always, always a very talented squad. And I, it, they're one of those teams where if they make the playoffs, you could see them making a run. They just have so much talent. Now, the loss of Derwin James in their secondary, that's going to hurt. Uh, he might come back in December. He might be back for a for a playoff run. But it's definitely going to hurt them, of course, without Melvin Gordon. That's obviously a big question mark that they have to figure out. But I think Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson can can kind of carry the weight. They got one of my favorite quarterbacks in the draft this year, an Easton Stick, which I think they can definitely develop into, into something uh, if you give them enough time, maybe a few years or so. Really, really good wide receivers with Allen and Williams. That's a nice one-two punch. You bring in Travis Benjamin and Hunter Henry. You know, hopefully he stays healthy this year because he's a he's a heck of a talent at that position if he can stay healthy. Front seven is enviable for sure. It they could I think they could realistically win the division if things go their way, but it's just we've seen this in the past with the Chargers. It's one reason or another they just can't get over that hump. But hopefully it's this year. I really would love to see Phillip Rivers kind of get some recognition because it seems like that's something that he hasn't gotten a lot of during his career. Uh, finishing third, I have the Broncos at six and ten. I'm a well-noted Joe Flacco detester. I don't like Joe Flacco. Uh, I I can understand why maybe uh, John Elway wanted to bring him in, but he's not a good quarterback. He hasn't been a good quarterback in I'd say at least six years, maybe seven. It's been a very long time. It, I just I, I don't see it. It's the same that Drew Locks on the IR because I would have loved to see him, you know, pretty early on, but. Unfortunately, the two quarterbacks right now on the depth chart are Flacco and Brandon Allen, who they got from the Rams. They have some interesting running backs. Of course, Phil Lindsay, who had a very good rookie showing last year along with Royce Freeman. Wide receivers are intriguing. You still have Emmanuel Sanders there, but Cortland Sutton, I think, is poised to have a big year. The offensive line, I think a couple holes, a couple places he'd like to maybe improve, but for the most part, it's, I think it's okay. And the defense, it's not the, it's not the old Broncos defense that a lot of us got to know. 
um, at the around the start of the decade and a few years after that. But I think they'll still be a solid unit. Of course, still led by Von Miller, so uh, and Chris Harris. So uh, still a couple names on that side of the ball. And then finishing last, I have the Oakland Raiders at five and eleven. It's another team in this division that doesn't have a quarterback. Uh, Derek Carr is not the guy. He hasn't been the guy since that fluke season a, a few years back. Uh, they did make improvements on the offensive line. Of course, you bring in Antonio Brown. We'll have to wait and see how that goes. They made some nice additions to the defensive side. You bring in Clellan Farrell. You bring in Jonathan Abram, Trayvon Mullen. It's a couple of the names they have. So uh, John Gruden, of course, he has the 10-year contract. He's going to be there for, for a while. So I don't think it has to be this year that the Raiders really start to show. I think you just have to give them a little longer. But it's it's clear that the West, it's going to come down to the Chiefs and the Chargers and should be fun to watch that race over the course of the season. Ryan, when it comes to teams like the Broncos and the Raiders, you know, they've been trying all of these different things to try to get back to being competitive. I know the Raiders, you know, had that one stretch but for the Broncos, I mean, not having a quarterback has hurt them so much. They've lost so many opportunities to get into playoff contention because of the mismanagement at quarterback. I mean, one of the greatest quarterbacks ever can't seem to find a quarterback. But when looking at the Chargers and the Chiefs, they've been able to kind of put that together. Just not, you know, even with the Chiefs having one year under their belt so far, they just haven't been able to get over that hump uh, as of late. But when you look at all four of these teams, is it safe to say that if John Elway had been able to get a quarterback and if maybe Gruden flips it around, this might become one of, if not the hardest division in all football to win with the amount of talent that they can put together? Yeah, I mean, I would say so. I mean, there's not, you look around the NFL, there's not a lot of divisions where every team has a has that quarterback of the future. So with, as you mentioned, the amount of talent in this division right now, the Chiefs, uh, not only they have Mahomes, they have a lot of young talent. The Chargers, of course, the quarterback's old, but they still have surrounded him with a lot of young talent as well. The Broncos and the Raiders, they're they're kind of infusing those rosters, which are in dire need of a lot of young talent. So if they're able to find a quarterback, and it's not going to be an easy task. The Broncos, I guess, think they found him in Drew Locke. We'll have to wait and see if that's the case. Elway really liked him. But if both of those teams can find a quarterback, that's going to be a division to watch for years to come. Yeah. The New England Patriots, a team that many despise, I used to respect, but the amount of cheating has left me with a bad taste in my mouth, and who knows what they're going to do this year to work their way to a possible AFC Championship game appearance. Uh, they are the ones that are going to win the AFC East. It's sad to say it, but they're going to do it again. I don't see any of the teams in this division giving them any run for their money. I have the Patriots going 10-6, and 5-1 and one in the division. Following up with that, uh, it's the Buffalo Bills. I think the Bills are going to take a, a, a nice step forward. I have them winning eight games, going eight and eight, three and three in the division. Really looking forward to see what Josh Allen can do in his second year. As as we know, uh, he can palm a watermelon. Uh, he looks great in shorts, according to the people at Pro. Uh, what not Pro Football Focus? Um, Pro Football. Uh, your buddies, Ryan. Your buddies, um, PFT. Pardon my and, take. Um, yeah, pardon my take. Yes, pardon my take. They love this man. They think that he is a uh, a national treasure, uh, you know, to say the least. And I, I think that last year he proved a lot of people wrong that he he can kind of play this position, and hopefully another year under his belt he will continue to take a step forward and really show what he can do. 
Um, the Jetropolitans, I have them going seven and nine, four and two in the division. A great addition with Le'Veon Bell. I think that's a must for a quarterback, especially a young quarterback in Sam Darnold. I really want to see them bolster up that offensive line and give this kid weapons. You need to make sure that you protect your quarterback, especially after what we saw Andrew Luck go through. And you don't want a young guy, especially in Darnold, to go through all of that mess. Because if you thought it was bad by some of the people in Indianapolis, I can only imagine what would happen if it was in New York to where a guy walked away early in his prime. And really, it's not the fault of him, but it's the fault of the owner and management not doing the right thing and putting a good team in front of him. And we all know that the management of the Jets have not done so in the past couple of years. And then finally, at the bottom, the way bottom of the barrel, it's got to be the Miami Dolphins. This team, Ryan, might be the most pathetic team in the entire NFL. I had them going 0-16, not once, not twice, but three different times until I finally was able to give them one win. I had gone through this schedule four times to just try to find one win for this Dolphins team. You can sit there and, you know, pound your chest all you want about, oh, we got draft picks and we got this and we got that and blah, blah, blah. Look, your starting quarterback's Ryan Fitzpatrick, a journeyman, a guy who who's, you know, smart but can't really play a full 16 games and really give you what you want, other than that one year with the Jets to where, again, they win one more game there in the playoffs. I, I don't know what the whole grab of Rosen was for. You know, if, if you wanted to go get him, you should play him. I think that regardless of how bad this offensive line is, you need to play this guy to figure out what you have. Because if you're just going to suck, if you're going to tank for Tua or be terrible for Trevor, you know, I, I just don't get it. I, I just don't understand what the whole point of was getting Rosen for. Because if you're going to be this bad and you're just going to draft a quarterback, why did you get Rosen? Rosen was such a waste. And I don't know what you gave the Cardinals in return, but I thought it was an absolute waste. I don't know what they're going to do in terms of fixing this team. I'm not really sure where to begin. There are just so many holes everywhere. And honestly, if I'm the Dolphins, and this might sound crazy, but Ryan, I'm hoping that my recent two, three high round draft picks start to play really, really well, and I shop them. I shop them for more draft picks because it is such a mess. I don't have any real belief that we're going to be able to turn this around. If I'm the Miami Dolphins, I don't think you can turn this team around. I think you need to go through a four-year purge and just accumulate enough draft picks and then start from there because I just don't see any any player on this team that is worth building around. Yeah, it's The AFC East is not going to be uh, an entertaining division this year. It'll probably be towards the bottom. Uh, just a quick look. It might be the least entertaining division in all football this year. I think that's a, a fair argument that someone can make. I like the Patriots a lot. They're going to be in contention for not only an AFC championship, but a Super Bowl again. I have them going 12-4 and four this season. I have them going 5-1 and one. in the division. It's the self Tom Brady. He's obviously declined a little bit. That decline has started, but he's still he's more than a serviceable quarterback. He can still win the team games here and there it's not like it used to be but I would be happy to have Brady on my team if my team needed a quarterback so you look at the weapons around him they've now kind of taken a load off uh, of Brady now they've come become a little bit more of a running team I think I saw a stat last year the Patriots ran the third most times in the league last year which 
I definitely believe when you have an aging quarterback, you want to be sure to, you know, you want to keep him as fresh as possible. Sonny Michelle, great, great rookie campaign. You pair him with James White. You have James Devlin, Rex Burkhead. You bring in Damian Harris, a third-round pick this year. There's so many options out of the backfield. And you pair that up with Julian Edelman, who, of course, is your, your number one wide receiver. I'm really excited to see Josh Gordon, knock on wood, a full season of Josh Gordon with Tom Brady. I think that we can finally, we'll finally see Josh's full potential as long as he stays on the field. That's obviously a big question, but I really, really want to see this. I've wanted to see this for a while. It hasn't happened yet, but I think that this could finally be the year that he stays on the field for the entire season. You bring back Demarius Thomas after you waived him. That was always going to happen because uh, you're... Your rookie and Kill Henry is on the IR for the first eight weeks of the season, but he is expected to come back after that. You still have Philip Dorsett, who you acquired in the trade with the, the Colts uh, a couple seasons ago. He'll still be kicking around, give Brady another option. The offensive line is it's pretty solid. Of course, you lose your your center, David Andrews, to the to the blood clotting issues, so hopefully he will be okay. Of course, football should just be in the on the back burner for him right now, just trying to make sure he gets the, the help he needs to get back to full health. That's definitely the the main priority. And their defense is, is very good. It's kind of transformed that you lose Trey Flowers, you lose Brian Flores, but this is still a very, very good defense. I think people are going to be very surprised by this team this year. You bring in Michael Bennett from the Eagles. He's going to be a really good edge rusher for them. He was, I'd say, arguably one of the Eagles' best edge rushers last year. I'd say one of the top two. You can make a case. It seems like everyone loves Chase Winovich. Uh, people have just been praising him. I've, I've read the reports. seems like people are really excited for the kid. It's it, You look at this Patriots roster, there's not really a ton of holes, which is what we've really come to expect. So they're going to be really good this year, and uh, there's going to be some people that are upset that they're going to be in contention yet again. But that's just how it is. And the, the rest of the division for me, it's I don't like it at all. I don't think Adam Gase was the right guy for the Jets. I think they go 7-9 and nine this year. I think they pick up three wins in the division, but I really worry what he's going to do with that offense. Uh, I know it's different because the Dolphins had very little talent on offense during his time there, but his offenses were always at the bottom of the league. He did nothing to help them whatsoever. So I really worry what this offense is going to look like now. I know he has a quarterback in Sam Darnold, who I'm still little iffy on. I know he played well towards the end last year after he got through that initial learning curve as a freshman, but I, I, I'm I still a little hesitant on him. I liked him coming out of USC, but I don't, I'd don't. i like to think that he'll take a step forward this year. I don't know if he will, especially with Gase there. Uh, you have Le'Veon Bell, of course, the big addition uh, this offseason, who should hopefully help Darnold out uh, a lot. You have Quincy Nunwa, Robbie Anderson, Jameson Crowder. It's it's not the best trio, obviously, but I think Robbie Anderson is still a little underlooked, and that's a you know for for the Jets, that's probably one of the better receiving cores they've had in in a little bit here. Uh, you go further down, the defense has lost some pieces, but you bring in some pieces as well. Uh, the big acquisition, probably C.J. Mosley, guy that left the Baltimore Ravens. You have a, a pretty intriguing secondary with two. Picks from 2017 with Jamal Adams, Marcus May. You bring in Tremaine Johnson from the Rams, and you pair them uh, with your nickelback, Brian Poole, and uh, another cornerback in Daryl Roberts. So their defense, I think, should be okay. Of course, the defense coordinator, Greg Williams, he's a pretty smart mind. He'll drop some interesting concepts for that team, but I don't know. I, I don't see what everyone else seems to think. So I know some people think this team could be a dark horse playoff team. 
I, I just don't see it. I don't think they're there yet, so that's why I have them going 7-9. and nine. A game behind them, I have the Bills at 6-10. and 10. Uh, Josh Allen, I, I've been on the record as saying he should not have been taken in the first round, but clearly they're going to try to develop him. He had some good games last year. He had probably more awful games last year, which is to be expected for a rookie fair, right? But... Uh, I'm still, I don't know if he's the guy. You just traded LaShawn McCoy, so now you're putting the your backfield in the hands of Frank Gore, who seems to never age, and Devin Singletary, the third-round pick, the rookie this year, and you also have TJ Yeldon as well. Wide receivers, you bring in Cole Beasley. Okay, you have Zay Jones and John Brown. Offensive line is solid, but I think you can make uh, a few additions, uh, or maybe not a few, maybe one or two to really beef it up a little bit. The defense is the big selling point, I think, for the Bills, which isn't surprising. A team led by Sean McDermott, a former defensive coordinator. There's a lot of really exciting guys on defense for the Bills. I think they could maybe finish in the top 10 uh, in total defense this year in the entire league. They, I think they could be that good. And rounding out the the AFC East, it is the Dolphins. I'm not as skeptical about them as you seem to be. I do think that they will be able to turn this around. Maybe not soon, but I think if you give them a few years, you give Flores a few years, I think they will turn it around. I do agree. I don't know why you trade for Rosen and then don't start him. Uh, it, uh, I will say that if they did start him, admittedly, I think they'd be putting him in a position to fail because that offensive line is god-awful. There's not a lot to work with on that offense. You have Devontae Parker, you have Albert Wilson, Mike Jasicki, if you want to keep going down there. The running backs are a mess. They, they, it seems like they don't know how to handle them. Uh, I, I I don't know. I, I do like Josh Rosen. I really hope that at some point he finds a good a good situation to go to because I think he can be a good quarterback in this league. I just I don't know if it's Miami right now. I really wish they traded him to a different team, but... They got Fitzmagic, so that should help them out for about the first four weeks of the season, and then it'll just go downhill from there. Defense, you got, uh, I said it for a team in the NFC preview, but you got 11 guys there on defense, so that's good. You're going to have 11 guys on the side of the ball to try to stop the other teams. Probably not going to happen a lot. It'll probably be one of the worst defenses in the league, even despite bringing in Brian Flores as your head coach, but... What are you going to do? I have them going 4-12. and 12. Uh, I do think that they can get four wins in the schedule. They do have a pretty, I don't want to say an easy schedule, but you play in the AFC East. I think that they can win games against the Jets and the Bills. I don't know if they will, but I think they can. You play the NFC East. I think the Redskins and the Giants, those are winnable games too. Uh, it's, I do see wins on the schedule for the Dolphins. Uh, I don't know if they do get to four. I have them at 4-12 and 12 right now, but yeah, it's uh, another boring year in the AFC East, I think. So, I was uh, watching the Dan, uh, Dan Levitard show, Highly Questionable with Dan Levitard. Uh, it's my father's favorite show, and I just happened to catch a couple minutes of it, and they were talking about how bad the Dolphins are going to be this year and how much they're you know, looking forward to tank. But uh, Levitard had brought up that the calendar, the calendar for the Miami Dolphins which, as we all know, there are 12 months in the year, has 12 players in it. And of those 12 players, only four of them are left on the team. And it's mind-blowing that you would come out with a calendar to get stuff ready, and not even before the season starts, 
Only four of the 12 are still on the team. And just a quick recap of who's not there. Cameron Wake's not there. Phillips is not there. Corderas Tankersley is not there. Branch is not there. McDonald's not there. Kiko Alonso just got traded recently to the Saints. Tannehill is in Tennessee. And Kenny Stills got shipped over with Laramie Tunsil to the Texans. By the way, I don't know how Tunsil didn't make the calendar list, but you know we all know that he's not there. So many guys. Just so many guys are gone, and I I don't know. I, I just don't know what to do uh, to really make this team go in the right direction, Ryan. I, I think they're going to be awful. You know, one win, that's my lowest in, in, in all that we've done is, is one win, and I, I have I have the Dolphins there. And I, I want to touch upon the Rosen point um, before we move on. I looked at Josh Rosen coming out. I didn't think that he was draftable because of his attitude and because of the fact that he had publicly come out and said that if his shoulder was healthy enough, he'd be playing tennis instead. So therefore, he was just doing this because he couldn't do tennis. And, and I can't have a leader of men state that kind of truth. You know, it's one thing to be honest, you know, okay, you're being honest. I I, I can understand that, but you're going to sit there and straight up say that you don't really want to be here. That's what that comment says to me. Is that, you know, I really don't want to be here. I'm here, but I don't really want to be here. Um, and the Cardinals took him, and I know it was terrible because he didn't have an offensive line to protect him, and I know that going to Miami, it became much worse, but if you're losing out to Ryan Fitzpatrick, and maybe this is just the coach's decision to play Fitzpatrick, I'm not 100% sure, but but are you really worth an NFL spot? If you were drafted in the first round, but you can't beat out journeyman Ryan Fitzpatrick, are, were you really worth it? Are you are you worthy? Are you worthy to be on the team? That's something that a lot of people haven't been asking, and I'm, I'm surprised they haven't. They've just been like, oh, I feel so bad for Josh Rosen, and I'm just kind of like, I don't feel bad for Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen went to another team to where he was getting a fresh start and he had the ability to get the QB1 spot and he lost out to Ryan Fitzpatrick, a guy who has shown in his career that he's going to play three good games a year before completely falling back down to earth or one magical season with the Jets. That's it. You can't beat that guy out when you're so much younger. First round draft pick. First round draft pick can't beat out Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's not good. I almost think it's because they don't want to ruin him and they don't want to expose him to what he was exposed to in Arizona. It's I do feel bad for him. I wish he was in a position to where he could play, but I don't think you can accurately evaluate the quarterback that he is with the guys that they have on offense, the line he'd be playing behind, the, the, the coaching staff that's there. I don't think that that's going to be an accurate way to evaluate him. I think you, it's... I think letting him sit might even be, you know, a safer option until you can get some guys in there and and help him out a little bit. I mean, people forget that Carson Wentz, he was supposed to be a third-string quarterback his rookie year. Uh, It would have been nice. Now, of course, obviously he ended up playing that entire year because he traded away Bradford, but I'm okay uh, in in a situation like Rosen's. Just let him sit. Uh, I would like to see him play. I think that, you know, the repetitions would obviously help, but those repetitions have to be – worth it they have to be good solid repetitions and on this Dolphins team I said they can go four and 12 but I don't think that he would be in a position to succeed to the best of his ability to play to the best of his ability to the best that he can the best Josh Rosen that he can be 
if he was just thrown into the fire week one. I think he will get the starting role eventually. That's just how it happens. There's no way in hell Fitzpatrick's starting all 16 games for this team. It's not even that I think he's going to get injured. He's just going to cede that job eventually. But uh, I'm okay right now with Rosen sitting uh, on the bench. I do wish he could start, but you know, given the situation he's in, I think that it's fine that he'll be on the bench to start the year at the clipboard. Ryan, real quick, if the Dolphins finish with the worst record in the league, they they hold the number one overall pick. I believe Herbert will be coming out this year, and I believe Tua will be coming out this year, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yeah. Okay, so if you are the Dolphins, are you taking one of those two guys? Yes, you have to. So then what so then what is the point of even having Rosen on the roster? If you know if you know today that before any game is played, before the Thursday night game between the Packers and the Bears is played, if you know that no matter what happens, we're gonna be garbage and we're gonna take Tua or Herbert, why is Rosen on the roster? What purpose does he serve on the roster if he's not playing all sixteen games? If you're not gonna give this guy a full year evaluation because if you draft Tua or you draft Herbert, aren't they in the same exact position as Rosen that, well, we're just going to sit them because we don't have anyone to protect them, we don't have any weapons? Well, you can't stash all these quarterbacks. It's just not possible. Someone has to play. Someone has to go out there and take the hits. Someone go has to go out there and conduct the offense. So I don't understand why people, and it's not, not to say that, that you know, you're just one person on an island, but there's a, a, a vast majority of people that are sitting there saying the exact same thing you're saying is the Dolphins have to take a quarterback. Well, if they're going to take a quarterback, then what was the point of not cutting Rosen? Because I'm assuming this decision was made way before the Tunsil trade even happened, that we're going to try to suck and be as bad as we possibly can be. Yeah, it, it, that's it. That's kind of why the trade confused me uh, a little bit, because... There was no way the Dolphins were going to be good this year, right? So it, I, I don't understand why exactly they were interested in picking up a guy like Rosen. Like, if he was traded to the Patriots, I would have understood that. If he was traded to a team like the Giants or the Broncos, I would have kind of understood that because those are places where he could have realistically, you know, sat uh, and then maybe came in later in the year, Um and th- those teams, I think, realistically would have made sense. But yeah, the, the Dolphins, I, I'm not too sure why why they decided to make the move that they did. But I don't know. I, at the end of the day, I hope that Rosen does succeed. I really hope that he doesn't fizzle out because he never really got the opportunity to show what he can do. But I guess it's just going to be a, a big wait and see. All right, we're going to move down south now to the AFC area. We've been in the AFC area, but we're sticking sticking to the south now. I have the Houston Texans once again coming out as the top dog in the AFC South. Last year they went 11-5, and five, and I have them going 10-6, and six, just one win short of what they were able to do last year, 4-2 and two in the division. I have the Jacksonville Jaguars led by Nick Foles coming in at 9-7, 4-2 in the division. Just one win shy of cracking into that playoff spot and holding it over the Houston Texans. Tennessee Titans, you know, they, they were competitive last year. 9-7, saw a lot of good things out of them, but I, I think they're going to take a step back this year. I think that the Jaguars now being a much better team because they, they should have a, 
a more competent quarterback and maybe a, a more healthy offense as Leonard Fournette hopefully is able to play more than just a couple games this year. I think that's going to be a problem for them. I don't know what the point of getting Ryan Tannehill was because as much as I like Marcus Mariota, I just don't think that he's an NFL quarterback. He just hasn't taken those steps that you need to take to go from you know a top draft pick into a, a franchise caliber quarterback, and he's hurt. He's hurt way too much. I have him going 5-11, 2-4 in division, and it, it pains me. It really pains me to say this. The Indianapolis Colts having a 4-12 and record going 2-4 and in the division. They were you know AFC championship contenders, possible Super Bowl representatives with Andrew Luck at the helm. And he needed to step away. He needed to step away from the game of football due to his mental and physical health. And I, for one, have no problem with Andrew Luck being honest to himself, honest to the organization, and honest to the fans, and stepping away from football. Because everybody knows whether you play up until high school or you make it to the pros or you you continue to have fun after, it ends at some point. The games end at some point, and the, all that you're going to have left are the memories and the aches and pains when you get up every morning, and Andrew Luck didn't want to go through with it anymore, and I have absolutely no problem with it whatsoever, but it just sucks because this Colts team was starting to come around. It really was starting to come around, and I definitely would have this division uh, formatted way differently if Luck was playing versus obviously what we know now, that he has retired from uh, the National Football League. So we're we're pretty similar, uh, I think. I also have the Texans at ten and six. I think they go five and one in the in the division. Uh, is Bill O'Brien a good head coach? Uh, I I don't know. No, I, I no, I'd like to think they can find a better option, but clearly they think that he's the guy. So he'll be there for another year. Uh, and if they keep making the playoffs, I'm sure he'll be there as long as he wants to be. Uh, you have DeAndre Hopkins, who is uh, a matchup proof uh, wide receiver, meaning that uh, no matter what quarterback the Texans throw out there. Hopkins is still going to get his, which is actually pretty remarkable. You have Will Fuller coming off of the ACL tear. I think he's going to have a solid year. You just brought in Kenny Stills from the from the Dolphins to be their their slot guy, which I think will be really good. And you also bring in, of course, Tunsil to bolster your offensive line. Of course, you bring in Titus $100 Howard, and he'll be your he's slated to be one of their starting guards. And you pair that up with Nick Martin, Zach Fulton, and then Central Henderson. Tight end, I think, is a little bit of a weak spot for this team. Right now, they're slated, they're starting tight end is slated to be Darren Fells with Jordan Aikens backing him up. I, I think if you can improve anywhere on the offense for the Texans, it would be to get a better tight end in there. But Deshaun Watson has proved me wrong. He has become one of the more entertaining quarterbacks in the entire league. I was not high on him coming out of college, but he has proved me wrong. He's proved my doubts wrong. And he is now, I think, one of the more dependable options at that position, as long as he stays healthy, you bring in Duke Johnson and trade with the the Cleveland Browns. Uh, you also trade for Carlos Hyde, so those are going to be your your two running backs for the most part. Since Lamar Miller unfortunately tore his ACL in the preseason on August 24th, Week Three. Looking on the defensive side, if JJ Watt stays healthy, it's top five unit. If he doesn't stay healthy, he knock it down a couple pegs, but pretty solid team over there in Houston. I don't know if they're really Super Bowl contenders, but they they should make the playoffs. I don't want to say pretty easily, but it's, they should be able to make the playoffs. I also have the Jaguars at nine and seven, but I have them going two and four in the, in the South. I like Nick Foles, obviously, right? He won the Eagles, the Super Bowl, but 
I don't know how much better he is than Blake Bortles. He's better. I don't know how much better. Uh, of course, you bring in John Filippo, the offensive coordinator uh, who was with the Eagles when, of course, they made the run to the Super Bowl. So hopefully that will help Nick Foles out. Not a big fan of Doug Marone as a head coach. I really thought that they would have let him go, but he's still there. Offensive line is pretty solid. You have some intriguing young wide receivers. You still have Marquise Lee kicking around there. You have D.D. Westbrook. Uh, and then your tight end, James O'Shaughnessy and Jeff Swaim. So that's a good one-two good one-two punch. Uh, of course, I think everyone knows that Foles kind of, you know, he. it seems like during his time in the league, he will throw to the tight end quite a bit. So those guys might be the beneficiaries of that. If Fournette can stay healthy, that's a top 10 running back in the league and maybe even more, but that's uh, obviously an issue. He's struggled with injuries and inconsistencies. Defense should take a step forward this year. It was not as good as people expected it to be last year, but I think you add in Quincy Williams, you bring in Josh Allen, the better Josh Allen. So uh, I think that the front seven is going to be formidable. I think their secondary is obviously going to be pretty solid. I uh, just I, I don't think that they will be able to take that step back into the postseason. I think that'll take another year, maybe add in a couple more pieces to that team. I don't think the Colts are going to be as bad. Uh, I think that they can still finish 8-8. Eight and eight. I have them in the playoff race going all the way up until week uh, 15. I have them 7-6 and six going into a game against the Saints on Monday night. I think they lose that. Then they have to bounce back, play the Panthers the week after. I think they lose that and officially knock themselves out of the race. But I think they can still go 8-8. Eight and eight. I think Jacoby Brissett is a, a good option. At quarterback, obviously you lose luck, so you have to kind of knock everyone on this offense down just a little bit. But I think with Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni there, uh, the head coach and the offensive coordinator respectively, I really think that this offense will be fine. It's not going to be as high-powered. I don't think they're going to be a top-five offense like they could have been with luck, but I still think they can finish in the top half of the league. I'd say maybe even top 12-ish. I think they could still be a good offense. Uh, the, the offensive line, they finally started to uh, recognize that that was an area of need uh, later on, a lot later than they should have. But you still have Anthony Costanzo there, and you pair him up with three really good young guys, Quentin Nelson, who's already one of the best offensive linemen in all of the the NFL, Ryan Kelly, the guy you took in 2016, Braden Smith, your second-round pick in 2018. That's a pretty suitable offensive line. T.Y. Hilton, Devin Funchess, those are a good couple wide receivers. Yeah, I think you would like to add in uh, another one there too, but you counteract that by having two solid tight ends in Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron. Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines should be pretty good uh, in the backfield for for the Colts. And the defense, I think, surprised uh, a lot of people last year. I think they'll just take another step forward this year. Of course, led by a guy like Darius Leonard, the front seven is is pretty good. I think it's one of the more underrated front sevens in the league and the secondary is not going to scoff at either. So I think they go eight and eight, but I think they'll be in the playoff hunt for, for most of the season, even with luck out and the Titans. I do agree. I do think they take a, a step back this year. I, I love Mariota. I really want him to succeed, but I don't know if he's the guy anymore in, in Tennessee. Uh, I, I don't know if they have to find somebody else. I don't think Tannehill's that guy either. So maybe they're going to have to draft a guy sometime soon, but I have them going 5-11 and 11 this year, 2-4 and four in the AFC South. I think they have intriguing wide receivers. I think that's about as good as a uh, good adjective as I'm going to use for that. The offensive line, there's, I'd say, a couple holes there. When you're starting Dennis Kelly on the offensive line, I, I think that's a little bit of an issue. Derrick Henry, definitely inconsistent. People seem to think he'll have a big year this year. I got to wait and see. I don't know if I really agree with that yet. I need to wait and see what he does. 
Deion Lewis can, of course, catch passes out of the backfield, but Tennessee learned very early on last year that he could not really be a between-the-tackles type of guy. And the defense, there's you know there's some names, but uh, I think you, you really need to add uh, a couple pieces there before it really gets the respect that it deserves. So Texans, I think, will win the division, and uh, they'll have some competition for the Jaguars and the Colts. But, uh, yeah, I think at the end of the day, it is the Texans' division to lose quarterback it's the most important position in all of sports and there was a lot of talk going on about what was happening in Indianapolis and how the Colts were going to move forward with their quarterback obviously Jacoby Brissett is going to be the guy got a contract extension but I'm, I'm interested to hear hear your point of view on this Ryan going forward when quarterbacks go down when quarterbacks are out for a little bit or someone maybe is stepping away. We have heard one name for the past couple years constantly and brought up. Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick. Is it now going to be Andrew Luck? Andrew Luck? Andrew Luck? While, yes, he is still contractively under the Indianapolis Colts, Someone could trade for him. Someone could talk to him and convince him to come out of retirement, suit it up, play football. Is he now going to be the guy that people are going to possibly be banging the table about? And I'm very interested from a from a non-political and a political standpoint of what happens now with those people and what happens now with owners who are in a position like the Eagles were in the, the beginning of the preseason with, with all those injured quarterbacks, not named Carson Wentz, but all those injured quarterbacks, what, what, what's going to happen now? Because if you're going to tell me that this is all about business, well, the best quarterback out there now, his name's Andrew Luck. Isn't he the guy that's getting the first phone call? I would think so. I mean, starting, I'd say, next, probably July, July 2020, Andrew Luck's name is going to be thrown around, which uh, is a shame. I, I really hope that people just let the guy live his life, stop bringing his name up for quarterback openings, just let him get healthy both physically and mentally and just let him get on with his life. But it's it, it's the state of the media landscape. Uh, his name's going to be brought up starting next summer for teams that need a quarterback, and it's going to keep getting brought up. He could even, I'm, I'm telling you, he's going to have to come out with a a statement himself saying, yeah, I, I really don't want to come back. And it's still going to be brought up. So I do think that there's always going to be those tremors. There's always going to be those rumors about, oh, Andrew Luck's got to be healthy now. I really think that this is the year he finally comes back, this and that. Colts could really use him, or this team could really use him. They should make a trade for him, trade for his rights. I, it, I, I don't know. At the end of the day, I really just hope that people let him get the help that he needs, and just move on, though, personally. No, Ryan, I, I am with you 100% on that. I, I want people to give Andrew Luck his space. I want Andrew Luck to be able to make his decision in peace. And if he decides he wants to come back on his own terms and that's what he wants to do, no one should be you know, begging this man to do something that he doesn't want to do. However, if, if, if something comes down you know, the tunnel and, 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 you know, the leaves start to rustle and people start hearing rumors or whatever, or maybe he sits there and says, you know, like, it, it, depending on how I feel, like I might consider it, you know, I would love to know 
and this is now going to be the political aspect of it. I would love to know all of those people politically who are banging the table for you know who, are they going to sit there and tell me that Colin Kaepernick is a better quarterback than Andrew Luck? Are they going to sit there and tell me that Colin Kaepernick is more deserving of a starting spot over Andrew Luck? I would love to know that answer. And I hope it never comes down to that because Andrew Luck says that he wants to be done with football. But I would just love to know what those people have to say. Because now you can't sit there and tell me that, you know, he's the best quarterback out there. The best quarterback out there, his name's Andrew Luck. We're going to move over to the final division that we have before we get into ranking out everybody for the playoff spot and then doing the playoff bracket. It is the AFC North. It is the hot, hot, hot button team, Cleveland Browns, that are leading the media landscape right now, even the betting landscape right now, for what is happening in the football world. And Ryan, call me crazy. Maybe I'm drinking a lot of the Kool-Aid. I love this Browns team. I love this Browns team. I am a huge Baker Baker Mayfield supporter. I loved him when he was at Oklahoma. I believe that if Lincoln Riley hadn't taken the ball out of his hands in that game against Georgia, that they would have went to the national championship game and they would have dropped... 55-0 on that Nick Saban defense, and they would have been crowned the national champions instead of Georgia blowing it against Alabama. I think Baker Mayfield, as you had predicted, Ryan, he would be the number one overall draft pick. He was your number one quarterback in that draft class. Am I not mistaken? You're correct. He was the number one quarterback on Mr. Wallace's draft board. He was supposed to go number one overall from what Ryan Wallace was saying to all of us. And he did. The Cleveland Browns went and they took Baker Mayfield number one overall. And last year, when Hugh Jackson was the head coach, he made a terrible decision, a terrible decision. That cost him a chance at possibly competing in last year's playoffs by starting the guy. Oh, what's his name? Tyrod Taylor. It's going to come. Tyrod Taylor. That's right. Hugh Jackson made a mistake by starting Tyrod Taylor instead of Baker Mayfield. And if he had started Baker Mayfield, Ryan, I firmly believe that the Browns would have been in the playoffs last year. I I cannot find any way that they do not make the playoffs if Baker Mayfield is not starting from week one. That tie against the Steelers in overtime, I'm giving them a win there. They almost beat the Saints. They're definitely scoring more than 18 points with Baker Mayfield there. And sure, there are a couple games down the road to where they dropped and it, it was ugly, but Baker was there, man. Baker was there. And he was getting better week in and week out for a rookie quarterback that a lot of people you know, were saying, oh, he's too small and that air raid offense and he was a walk-on and all this stuff. Talk about a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback right there. A guy who went number one overall. Guy that has the biggest chip on his shoulder, you could say, since Brady coming out of college. Baker Mayfield is the man. And they gave this man weapons weapons out the wazoo Odell Beckham Jr. is now a Brown paired up with his best friend Jarvis Landry who we already know is like a general in that wide receiver war room he puts everybody in line they ain't gonna be no antics from Odell Beckham Jr. next year I, I would almost guarantee that because of how well Jarvis Landry is able to control people I, I don't know how many issues he had at LSU when they were both on the same team, and everyone keeps saying, well, there's only one football. Dude, there was only one football at LSU, and last I checked, I didn't hear a peep, not a peep out of LSU about who was or wasn't getting the football. David Njoku, Nick Chubb, 
I'm not a real big fan of what Kareem Hunt has done, but he's going to come back and play some meaningful games towards the end of the year. And that defense, Ryan, that defense for the first time is actually going to have a lead. You saw what they were able to do last year when that defense had a lead. They were good, and they're only going to get better. Those guys stay healthy. You're going to see that manster that, you know, you know, not Randy White for some of you old Cowboy fans, the, the new manster, you know, half man, half monster, Miles Garrett causing havoc on all the opposing quarterbacks that the Browns go up against. That defense is going to be nasty, and they have done really well in terms of drafting defensive players recently. I cannot express how much I love the Browns this year. I have them going 13-3. and You could say I'm drinking way too much of the Kool-Aid. Maybe I'm even bathing in it. Maybe I'm sitting in a, in a, a bucket of it right now, but I love the Browns this year. Absolutely love the Browns this year. But they're going to have some competition because the Baltimore Ravens, led by Coach Harbaugh, are no joke. They are a very, very well-run organization, and it's going to be difficult. It's going to be very difficult for them. But I have the Ravens going 11-5, going 5-1 and one in the division. They are going to make the playoffs. And coming just one, you know, one spot short, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers at nine and seven. I have them going three and three in the division. I, I just think losing your two best skill position players in one season is going to be way too much to overcome. I like Juju Smith-Schuster a lot. I think James Washington is going to take a big step forward. I'm hearing rumblings now that uh, Samuel is going to be taking some snaps away from Connor. I don't know what's going on in the backfield now for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'm not a big fan of Mike Tomlin as a head coach. I, I really think that he's just a babysitter. And we're going to find out how good he really is. I know you still got a you know two-time Super Bowl champion in Big Ben as your starting quarterback, but let's really see what you got now, Mike Tomlin. Let's really see what you got. All the all the cancer, all the antics is gone now. Are you going to be able to get this team ready? Are you going to be able to get this team focused? And then coming at the lowly bottom... It's the Cincinnati Bengals, 3-13, and 0-6 in the division. I just don't see the Bengals giving much of a fight this year. A.J. Green's hurt. I don't know what's going on with their offense outside of Joe Mixon. You know, a lot of people are sitting there hoping that maybe John Ross finally starts to be a little productive, but who knows. And the defense, you got 11 people that are putting on helmets and playing defense for the Bengals. That's, that's really all I got for you there. I, I don't see much come out of them there. I think... They're going to be really, really bad, and the other teams are going to be very competitive, but I see the Browns being the best team in that division on paper and I think on the field as well. Yeah, I like the Browns. I don't like the 13-3 and Browns. I have them going 11-5 and this year. I think that is, that's definitely fair. I think that they can, I'm not going to say surprise people, but I think they can just definitely put together a good season, win that division. I have them going 4-2 and in the division and getting into the playoffs, playing Wild Card Weekend. Uh, they do have to play some tough games, uh, and there might be some teams that kind of sneak up on them. Uh, maybe I don't want to say the word trap game, but there's a couple of those on the schedule this year. But I do like the Browns a lot. You brought up all the weapons that are on that team now. I think people kind of forget uh, how good this team has been in the draft. Uh, over the past couple of years, you look at 2017, you get Njoku, you get Miles Garrett, Larry Ogunjobi, in 2018, you have Denzel Ward, you have Baker, Nick Chubb. This team has added so much talent in just a, a short amount of time. You have to give credit to Sashi for, for what he did, I think. Uh, just the, the way that he handled things uh, before he was let go. But this Browns team, I think, is going to be a lot of fun. My main issue is the, is the maturity of this team. 
I would like to see what happens if another team kind of gets under their skin a little bit, if someone gets under Odell's skin or someone else's skin, whatever, and see how they handle that. That's that's my main issue with this team right now. I need to see how they do. Offensive line, I think, is a little bit of an issue. Uh, you still have Batonio there, obviously, uh, and J.C. Treader, but I think that that could end up being uh, kind of an issue for, for this team. Uh, hopefully it's not, but uh, I think that that could definitely – be improved upon uh, at some point in the future but defense should be good offense outside the line there's not really a lot of question marks it should be a fun team to watch freddie kitchens of course his first time as a head coach but i think he'll be okay i don't think that that'll be as much of an issue as people are making it out to be i like the ravens this year to go 10 and 6 and get four wins inside of the division I'm a really big Lamar Jackson guy. I think he takes a big step this year. And I think having Robert Griffin III behind him is kind of a mentor. I think that's really going to help him out. Wide receivers are a little questionable. Uh, in all fairness, you have Willie Sneed and Seth Roberts right now. Uh, you do bring in Marquise Brown and Miles Boykin, so I'm sure that they're going to get a lot of run this year. Tight ends, you have Nick Boyle, Mark Andrews, Hayden Hurst. Uh, it's a, a pretty good trio there. You bring in Mark Ingram from the from the Saints, but I don't really know what they're going to do with the running backs this year. It seems like they like Justice Hill uh, a decent amount. You still have Gus Edwards there as well. Offensive line should be good. The defense, they, they lost a few pieces, but they're young and they're hungry, as cliche as that sounds. You bring in Earl Thomas from the Seahawks this offseason, so I really think that they'll be fine. I think that they'll surprise a few people. And uh, overall, uh, I think that'll help them go 10-6 in, in the division. I have the Steelers going 9-7. and seven. Uh, it's, uh, They're just going to miss the playoffs, I think. I do like Mike Tomlin as a head coach. Uh, it's not necessarily the fact that I don't think the Steelers are talented. I think it's just going to be one of those years where they, they just miss out. Uh, they do have uh, a lot of games on the schedule that are going to be tough for them. It doesn't help that the Browns and the Ravens are going to be tougher games for them now than they have been in the past. So uh, I, I think that Roethlisberger, he, he's clearly declined over the past few years. I think that'll be kind of an issue. Of course, he can still sling the ball in his good days, but his bad days are really, really, really bad. They're really bad. It's almost like he shouldn't be a starting quarterback when he's on one of his bad days. James Conner, Jalen Samuels, Benny Snell, that's a, a good running back group to kind of take some of the pressure off of Big Ben. Love Juju. He's one of my favorite players in the league. Of course, you bring up James Washington. As you mentioned, he should have a, a pretty good year this year. Still have Dante Moncrief, who could end up being the wide receiver two for that team. And they bring in Ryan Switzer, uh, so we'll see what he can do. And they also draft Deontay Johnson to round out their wide receiver core. Offensive line should be okay. Defense is starting to be built up a little bit again. Uh, it's not obviously not like the Steelers' defenses of old, but they have some young talent on that team. You bring in Devin Bush this year in the in the first round, through first-round pick. He should definitely contribute this year, join up with Bud Dupree, TJ Watt, guys like that, and help that defense kind of perform but I think they just missed out on the playoffs in 9-7, going 3-3 three and three in the North. And rounding it out, one of the teams that I think could probably be the worst team in the league this year, it's the Bengals. As you mentioned, there's not really a lot there that they have. Unfortunately, they lose their first-round left tackle. That was supposed to really help out that line this year in Jonah Williams. So the offensive line right now is just a complete mess. I do like, uh, unironically, their wide receivers, though. I think Tyler Boyd is going to be really good this year. I like John Ross a lot, and if A.J. Green can come back, that's a really good trio that I don't think is going to get enough attention because of how bad this team will be this year. You have Andy Dalton still there. Okay, uh, Hopefully, if Tyler Eifert can stay healthy, uh, it's, he's 
one of the better tight ends in the league as long as he's healthy, but that's always been an issue for him. You do still have CJ Zuma there, though, to take some of the the pressure off of Eifert. Then you mentioned Joe Mixon. He really came into his own last year, and he's proven that even when the situations are tough, he can still perform well. You still have Gio Bernard there, too. He's a, he's a solid backup to have, a nice, uh, nice guy to have there for Zach Taylor, the new head coach there for Cincinnati. I love that hire. By the way, they need to get rid of Marvin Lewis for a while, and I'm really happy they got rid of him for Zach Taylor. I think that if you give him a few years, he's really going to turn this team around and make the Bengals good again. You look at the defense for the Bengals, it's not a ton. Uh, the, the defensive line is, I think, probably their strongest point, but linebackers leave a little to be desired. The secondary is uh, kind of a little rough. There's some good pieces there. You have William Jackson the third at one of your cornerback spots. Drake Patrick is still there. And then you have Jesse Bates, the third, a second-round pick last year. But overall, I think it's going to be a tough year for the Bengals and their fans. I think they finished 3-13. and They only get one win in the AFC North. So now it is time to give everybody the collection of the AFC playoff spots. Ryan, I will let you do the honors this time as I went first for the NFC. All right, so my number one seed by virtue of head-to-head is the New England Patriots going 12-4, and 5-1 and one in the East. My number two seed will be the Kansas City Chiefs also going 12-4, and 4-2 four, four and two in the West. My three seed will be those Cleveland Browns, 11-5, 4-2 in the North. And rounding out the division winners, I think the Houston Texans will get the four seed, going a respectable 10-6, 5-1 in the South. My two wildcard teams, I have the... Los Angeles Chargers going 11-5, 5-1 in the division. And rounding out the playoff teams, at number six, the Baltimore Ravens, 10-6, just a game behind the Browns, 4-2 in the north. Just missing out in the playoffs, I had the Jaguars at 9-7, along with the Steelers at 9-7. So for the number one seed in the AFC, I am drinking the Kool-Aid. It is the Cleveland Browns going 13 and 3. They are able to secure that with a 10 and 2 conference record. They went 4 and 2 in their division then. The Kansas City Chiefs at 13 and 3 as well. They went 9 and 3 in their conference is why it was the tiebreaker because they went 6 and 0 in their division. Then I have the New England Patriots coming in at 3 at 10 and 6. Then it is the Houston Texans at 10 and 6, then the Los Angeles Chargers at 12 and 4 and the Baltimore Ravens at 11 and 5. I will say Ryan has been brought up a couple times and I want to get your thoughts on this, but are we ever going to move towards a system for the playoffs to where based on your record you get to host a game? I understand that winning the division is something that is difficult because not every team in there could be good or all four of them could be very good and it could be a dogfight and you might walk away with a nine-win team. But with the Patriots and the Texans in, in, in my you know preseason makeup, only going 10-6 and six and the Chargers going 12-4 and four and the Ravens going 11-5, is it fair those two teams win one, two more games but still have to go on the road? Uh, it's, if you, you're asking if it's fair, I guess I don't really know if it's fair. Uh, I don't think that'll ever be changed. It just puts an importance on winning the division. Of course, we've seen in our lifetime, a division winner with a seven and nine record get in. Right. But that's, yeah. I, I don't think that 
I don't think that that's ever going to be changed. I think that that's one of those things that'll always stay the same. As, as I said, it just puts an importance on winning your division. And if you just happen to be in a really tough division and you get 12 wins, you have to travel to a team that won nine games in one of their division. It's that's just how it is. Uh, you're in the playoffs for a reason. It means you're one of the better teams. You have to go prove it, even if it's on the road. All right, so we know our playoff teams. They have been slotted. So a quick recap from both Mr. Wallace and myself. We will give you our six teams and who is going where. In the NFC, I have the Rams at one, the Cowboys at two. They will hold a bye. Bears at three, Saints at four, Eagles at five, Falcons at six. In the AFC, I have the Browns at one, Chiefs at two. They will have a bye. Patriots at three, Texans at four, Chargers at five, and Ravens at six. So for me, in the NFC, I have the Saints at one and the Eagles getting the second bye at two. I have the Packers at three, the Rams at four, the Falcons at five, and the Bears at six. And then over in the AFC, the Patriots and the Chiefs get the top two seeds, followed by the Browns, the Texans, the Chargers, and the Ravens. All right, so... Mr. Waldis, if you would like to do the honors, I would love to hear who represents for you in the AFC. So in the AFC, I have the Chiefs getting out of the AFC. I think the Chargers and the Browns win their wildcard matchups. And I think the Patriots and the Chiefs are getting that first round bye. They win in the divisional round, setting up a rematch in the AFC Championship game between the Patriots and the Chiefs. And I think the Chiefs come out on top in 2019. Very nice. Very, very nice. The Kool-Aid has been flowing. It has been water falling on top of me as we continue to do this podcast, and it is the Cleveland Browns that I believe will be representing the AFC. Uh, Starting out in the wild card round, I have the Ravens upsetting the Patriots and the Chargers upsetting the Texans. Moving on to the divisional round, I have the Browns once again beating the Ravens to move on to the AFC Championship game and the Chiefs over the Chargers to move on to the AFC Championship game. Unfortunately, it is going to be a repeat for Patrick Mahomes as his team is not able to defeat Baker Mayfield's team, and that is where I find myself as the Browns represent the AFC in the championship. I I think you're a little crazy with that one. I'll be honest with you there, Chief. It's going to get crazier. So not, it's going to get even crazier. Are they going to go 13 and 3, but they're going to win the AFC. Oh, dude, I'm like so on. You can see it. I know they got to play the games. Like don't get me wrong, like I I'm a big believer uh, you know, of don't believe it until you see it. I know I know you just said that I can see it, but you can. What you saw last year, this team is not the same Cleveland Browns team anymore. And I know everyone sits there and says, but they're the Browns. This is a, dude, if you rewind sports, go back into 2014, you could sit there and say, but they're the Cavs. They're never supposed to do anything. Boom, LeBron got a championship. They're the Cubs. They're never supposed to do anything. Boom, championship. Dude, they're the Eagles. They're never supposed to do anything. Boom, championship. Things are happening that that for years people were saying are never going to happen. And I believe that trend is going to continue to happen, and we're going to see the Browns do something really special this year. I could see it happening. Okay, sure. 
Give me your NFC. Tell, tell me, tell me your NFC. Okay, my 100% accurate NFC predictions. We have a rematch of the first round from a couple years ago between the Falcons and the Rams, uh, along with the Packers and the Bears. I think the Falcons overtake the Rams in the wild card round. I think the Packers win against the Bears, both of my teams that I'm really high on this year, advance the divisional round. I think the Saints lose in the divisional round this year. They don't get over the heartbreak. They get heartbroken again for a third straight year. They lose to their divisional rival, the Falcons, in the Dome. So the Falcons, the five seed, move on to the NFC Championship, where I think they play the Eagles, who win a tight game against the Packers. And coming out of the NFC, no surprise, it's a rematch of the 2004-05 NFC Championship game, and it'll end the same way as well. The Eagles will make it out of the NFC, beating the Falcons. Very nice. Very, very nice. Your boys your boys back at WIP and the Fanatic will be very happy to hear that. You're a game with the Birds, uh, a ticket to the Super Bowl. This is this is a, it's a deep team, Nick. I'm telling you, this, this is a team that's 18 months removed from winning the Super Bowl. There's no reason to think that they can't make it there again. No, you're you're not wrong. Uh, for my NFC, I have the Falcons upsetting the Bears going into Lambo, oh, going to Lambo, going into Soldier Field uh, and winning that one. I know that the Falcons are playing in a dome basically all year, but Matt Ryan has shown that he can play in cold weather, and I think he's going to be able to do that there. It's Carson Wentz's first playoff game, Ryan, and I got to say, going up a team against a team like the Saints in the bayou in that dome is going to be difficult. I think it's going to be too difficult, and that's why I have the Saints edging out the Eagles. This time, Alshon Jeffrey's going to catch the pass, but it's not going to be enough. The number one seed Rams are going to end the Falcons' run as they move on to the NFC Championship game and a rematch from last year's regular season to where the Saints traveled to the Cowboys. I have the Cowboys one-upping them. Zeke's there everyone's playing i think dak will do just enough as ryan might say he might even do more than enough but i think he'll do just enough and it's a rematch it's a rematch of a playoff matchup that happened in the previous year to where the rams and the cowboys and i will tell you what ryan i was believing in what you were telling me i think that scott linehan might have not been able to do enough and maybe kellen moore can throw a little wrinkle here and there in to edge out the rams as they go back to the coliseum to where really it's going to be almost neutral site if not a home game for the cowboys because cowboys fans are everywhere they just pop out in bunches whether they're playing well or playing bad and i have a browns boys super bowl it is only in madden that maybe you could imagine something like that but that's what I have drawn up for this 2019-2020 playoff bracket. Tell me how much Kool-Aid have I, tell me how much Kool-Aid do you think I have drank do, while doing this? How much? So, for the people that can't see me right now, I'm glaring at my microphone judgingly and puzzled because of that Super Bowl matchup that I just heard. Uh, it seems it, I, I don't know I see it like I'm speechless. I don't know what to say. It's that you're not even drinking the Kool-Aid. It's just you. You just like you went to the factory, and just got everything for yourself. It, there's no way, and I, I'm not gonna place money on it because you know I don't do that. But uh, I, there's no way that the Super Bowl this year is gonna be the Cowboys and the Browns. No way. I'll guarantee you right now. I've never been wrong with a sports prediction. No way that happens. 
<laughs> Would you say it's possible that one of the two teams makes it though? That 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 is at least likely. But you would probably say the Browns are not that one. Team. No, I think it's a higher likelihood that Dallas manages to to get in. I it's I like Cleveland, and we've seen it in the past. We saw it with the Eagles two years ago. They're a team that didn't make the playoffs the year before. They come back next year, a lot of talent, and they not only made the Super Bowl, they won the Super Bowl uh, with a backup quarterback at that. So, uh, you know, can the Browns do the same thing? Maybe. Uh, it's it's possible. There's a lot of things that are possible, but I think it's more it's likely. Popsicle, it's possible. I think it's more likely that the Cowboys get in out of those two teams. Okay. So would you like to do the honors? Would you like to go first, or or is it going to be too much if I go first? I mean, you already know who I'm going to go with. I'm going with the Eagles. Uh, it's it just this team is the deepest. This is what Doug Peterson said. He said this is the deepest roster that he's had in his time here. I would agree. This is the deepest roster. I'd say I'd argue that this is one of the deepest rosters that the Eagles have had in my entire lifetime. Uh, it's, it's from top to bottom. There's really not a lot of holes. I don't see them. Maybe it's because I'm a little biased. I don't know. Maybe if I wasn't an Eagles fan, I would see more holes. But if Carson Wentz stays healthy, man, I'm telling you, th- this team is going to be a force to be reckoned with this year. And maybe 12-4 and four is a little too conservative if he stays healthy the entire year. I don't know. But I think the Eagles can manage to get back to the Super Bowl and – you know, it'll be a shame because they'd be beating Andy Reid, who still doesn't have one ring, but I don't care because that would mean I would see the Eagles win two Super Bowls in three years, and that would help me sleep at night. So coming from a Cowboys fan's perspective, I will say that there is a strong likelihood that the Eagles will be pushing for a high playoff spot, possibly even a bye. And I believe that they definitely have the talent to get to an NFC Championship game, possibly a Super Bowl appearance. But Ryan... You and I both know that experience and what they say the best availability is, you know, the best ability is availability. And that right now is the biggest concern that I have. You are asking not only number one, Carson Wentz, who's never played in a playoff game before, to go in and win either three or four playoff games depending on where they're slotted in one go-around. That's a lot of pressure. Even with the amount of talent that he has, that's a lot of pressure. And then two, is he going to last all of those games? Is Carson Wentz, with the injury history that he has had, college, outside of his rookie year, even though he had injuries going up into training camp and you know, hope, you know, thankfully he was ready for the beginning of the year to play, he's been cut short every single year. And I just don't know. I don't know if you can sit there and honestly believe that, number one, he's going to be able to match what they expect of him and win four or three playoff games in a row with all the pressure that's on him, and two, stay healthy to make sure that he finishes all of those games. I I just don't know. I really don't know. And it's a big concern of mine because if the injury box wasn't checked... You could sit there and make the same argument for me. Well, Nick, you have the Browns do that. Sure, you're, you're right. I do have I do have the Browns going going very far myself, but I don't have to sit there and also worry about injury right now because there's nothing that would say that Baker's going to get injured or one of these big guys is going to get injured. But for Wentz, it's a it's a repeat. It's a it's a constant that he is going to not if he's going to, and you have to hope that that doesn't happen. That would be my biggest concern for the Eagles. That would be my only whole that I could really, really find. Because if that is the case, 
I don't think there's much to worry about other than just playing the games, right? Is is that that's fair to say? That's fair. Nick, let me ask you this. Do you know who the Browns don't have on their team right now? Who they don't have on their team yeah, right now? Yeah, do you know now? who they don't have? I mean, I, I, I would have to say, uh, is this a player or a coach? They don't have Joshua Treadwell McCown to back up their starting quarterback. <laughs> now, if Wentz gets hurt again, and I said this in the in the first part of this when we talked about the NFC teams, if Wentz gets hurt again, I'm perfectly content with Josh McCown backing him up. McCown is just a wily veteran. He's a football guy. He's coaching high school games on Fridays and then coming back to back up Wentz or maybe even playing the games on Sunday. It, it, I'm telling you, it's it's fine. Everything's fine. If Wentz goes down, they have their answer. They got Josh McCown, 40 years old. He'll be he'll be perfect. Crazy. Crazy. But this could be even crazier, as it is the Super Bowl matchup between the AFC number one team, Cleveland Browns, and the NFC number two seed, Dallas Cowboys. But Ryan, as you have decided to give your Eagles another championship, I did not end with a Cowboy championship. I see the Browns doing the unthinkable, the impossible, rising from the ashes like a phoenix and coming from that terrible, terrible stretch to where they win one game in two years and they are going to be crowned Super Bowl champions. Baker Mayfield has done the impossible. The Cleveland Browns led by Baker Mayfield. That's uh that's something. That 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 is a prediction. I'll I'll give you that. I don't know if I fully agree with that prediction, Nick, but that that is a prediction. And the and I will say the the reason behind me picking the Browns over the team that I root for comes down to one position, and it's a position that we have talked about at length multiple times during this podcast, the position of quarterback. The Browns have a 10 times better quarterback than the Dallas Cowboys. It is not even close. Baker Mayfield does so much more for that football team than Dak Prescott ever will for the Dallas Cowboys. And sure, don't get me wrong, the Cowboys do have a lot of weapons on their team, but so do the Browns. And if you go position for position on the offensive side of the football, outside of offensive line, the Cowboys lose every single time. Wide receivers, boom, it's the Browns. Tight end, boom, it's the Browns. Running backs, yes, the Cowboys have the overall better running back, but running backs, the Browns have Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Quarterback, not even a competition. And on the defensive end, yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm taking the Cowboys a lot too, but we all know defenses can only do so much. And that Browns defense ain't no joke. That Browns defense, I think, is going to be a top 10 defense. And the Cowboys defense last year was a top 7, top 5, somewhere in that range defense. So it's going to be it's going to be a fun game if that were to happen. But I just see that position, the position of quarterback being the 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 determining factor in who wins, the Browns have the better one, and it's not even close. It'll be a fun season. I'll say that. Uh, I always look forward to the to the NFL season. I think it's the best time of year these, these next couple months. You got this going on, and then you got the baseball stretch run, college football starts up, basketball and hockey start up. It's the best time of year 
Of course, it's all spearheaded by the start of the NFL season. Really excited. It's been a long, what, seven months since we last saw actual NFL action, but we made it through. We made it through the rest of the winter. We made it through the spring. We've made it through the summer, and now it's we're finally ready to, to kick this season off. I'm very excited. I'm looking forward to watching all the action every weekend. Is there any better time for sports than the beginning of football? As you said, Ryan, you have you have college football happening. You have the NFL starting. You have that playoff push for baseball. For some people, if they are interested, there is professional soccer that is going on. I mean, is this not the best time for sports? It's, I, I think it is. Uh, September and October are some of my favorite months of the year. Uh, the weather gets a little nice. You get that little nip in the air when you wake up and you go out of your house in the morning. Uh, the leaves are changing. The sports are starting. It's always something on. It's, it's, it's a great time of year for sure. I am always looking forward to this time of the year. Uh, and one of the things uh, that I always look forward to doing um, is, is the picks, Ryan. Do you do you do you participate in the weekly pickums for all of that in the NFL? I do, yeah. Yes. Well, as we have decided to predict the entire season for every single team, and maybe the team that you are hoping and rooting for and praying that they are able to host that Lombardi Trophy at the end of the year, Mr. Wallace and I will give you one little tidbit before we sign off, and that is to go through the Week 1 games and track that. We're going to track that. Sure, we'll come back and we'll look at our our preseason predictions and we'll try to see what we can do, but Mr. Waldis, I would love to go through it as we did on the old radio show, ye old radio show, and pick out the games, the winners of who we think is going to do what. So... We will be using ESPN, as it seems that NFL.com has removed their weekly pick'em. So on the pigskin pick'em area, as I do a quick little plug for ESPN, even though I receive absolutely no benefit whatsoever from doing this, that's where we will be going through our week-by-week analysis. So every week that we do games, we will recap, and we will also do the following week. So since there was no previous week, we're starting out. With week one, it is the first game of the season, Mr. Waldis. Packers at Bears. It's going to be a good one. I'm really excited to watch Aaron Rodgers go up against that defense of the Chicago Bears. As Khalil Mack said, I'm, quote, ready. But I'm going with the Packers, Ryan. I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers. I think they will start out the season with an upset win over the Chicago Bears in Soldier Field. Yeah, I'm also going with Green Bay. I've said it already. They are one of my teams to watch this year. I think they're going to be really, really good. And I think they can make a statement in week one by by taking down the Bears in that vaunted defense. We all know that the Falcons are playing X amount of games in the Dome. I think you said, Ryan, about 13 and they also have uh, two games in warmer weather towards the end of the year. This starts that long stretch to where they are playing inside a dome. It is at the Minnesota Vikings, and right now the pick percentage is favoring more towards the Vikings. But, Ryan, i got to tell you, I- I'm really feeling the Falcons. And, you know, for those of you who are out there, if the line is still at plus 3.5 for the Falcons, I- I'm taking that plus 3.5 line. I-, I realistically think the Falcons are going to win this game. I don't see why many people are so invested in the Minnesota Vikings, especially when we don't know what their offense is going to look like. If the defense can do what it usually does, yes, it's going to cause problems. But Julio is going to get his. We all know that the offense... 
is definitely going to put up points, and Dan Quinn is definitely going to make sure that that defense is ready to rock and roll with whatever the Vikings offense decides to throw out there. Yeah, I'm also going with the with the Falcons. I think people are kind of overrating the Vikings and looking a little too much into how the Falcons performed last year. But I I really like, as I said before, my two teams to watch this year, the Packers and the Falcons. So I think it's totally reasonable to expect the Falcons to go into Minnesota week one and come home with the dub. It is a in-division matchup, as we had with the Thursday night game. It's going to be the Bills at the Jets, and I'm taking the Jetropolitans. I like the addition of Le'Veon Bell, Sam Darnold. The guys are going to be ready. I think a lot of people... Uh, in New York, are going to be excited when they head out to East Rutherford to watch one New York team win this week, and that's going to be the Jets. I'm also going with the Jets. I just uh, I think that Le'Veon Bell will have something to prove week one after sitting out all of last year. So yeah, I think he's going to come out on fire, and I think he's going to help lead that team to to a win. I think Ryan is going to continue this streak of copying me, so we will give the Cleveland Browns a win over the Tennessee Titans. I don't see much there. I know that this is going to be the first game, but it's in Cleveland. I know there's a lot of expectations on the guys, but how can you sit there and not believe with the amount of talent that they're offering and the lack of talent that Tennessee has that the Browns are not going to walk away with an easy W on Sunday? Uh, I'm also going to go with the Cleveland Brownies. I think that they should have no trouble handling the Tennessee Titans. Uh, might be close there for a little bit, but I think the Browns have something to prove, and, and it'll start in week one. Ryan, your former quarterback, big you-know-what, Nick, is playing host to former MVP Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't think Andy Reid's going to have many problems in Jacksonville. I have the Chiefs overtaking the Jaguars. Yep, I, I agree. Uh, somebody, I remember, tweeted out that, I don't know, the Kansas City Chiefs might have an issue with that Florida humidity in early September. Uh, that person clearly has never been in St. Louis uh, during the summer because the humidity there is just as bad, if not worse. So I'm going to go with Kansas City. They're going to go in there. Of course, I think it'll be. I think it'll be a good game. Uh, I think that that Jacksonville defense also has something to prove. They have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder after what happened last year. So uh, I do think that that game will be probably close. Uh, I don't know how close, but I think Kansas City should be able to win that game. Los Angeles Rams trying to get back to the Super Bowl. They will start their season in Carolina against the Panthers. Many people were unsure of whether or not Cam Newton was going to play for the first couple games, but he'll be out there. I believe I just saw a video of him attempting the Guinness World Record for most one-handed catches. The video lagged, so I didn't get to see if he actually broke it or not, but I do not think he's going to be able to do enough to break this Rams defense, and I think Jared Goff, who just got paid, is going to put up enough points to where they walk out victorious and ready for a Week 2 win. So I have the Panthers, I guess, upsetting, if you if you will, the, the Rams. I think that, as I said, I think that the Rams are going to be in for maybe not a rude awakening. That might be a little strong, but I think they're going to have a tough year this year. I really do. And I think that it's really reasonable for them to go into Carolina and, and lose. I think that Carolina, by Ron Rivera, I think is, he's going to have his boys in the right mindset. I think they're going to have a little bit of chip on their shoulder. NFC Super Bowl representative a year ago coming in week one, I think the Panthers are going to want to make a statement that they – our contenders in the NFC, and I think they're going to beat the Rams. 
I, I don't I don't want to discredit either of these two teams, but I don't think there's much to say that the Ravens are going to go into Miami, put a whooping on the Dolphins, and walk out with a W. If the Dolphins had Tunsil and Stills, I think that it might be different, but uh, the way that they're looking now, I would hope that the Ravens don't have any issues with them. People are saying, what about Fitzmagic? Maybe he decides to throw three touchdowns and 300 yards. I don't think that's going to happen against this defense. I know it's not the Baltimore Ravens defense of old, but it's still a pretty good defense. And I will say, if there is going to be any issues, Harbaugh will make sure that his run-heavy, and I want to emphasize the run-heavy attack of Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards, all those running backs, they're going to keep the Dolphins' offense off the field if they start to have any troubles defensively. Absolutely. It might be the upset of the year. and no, I'm just kidding. The, the Washington Redskins stand absolutely no chance against the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles all the way. So I saw a stat that uh, teams that are favored by, I think, 10 or more points week one typically do not do very well against the spread. And I believe the last time I looked at that line, the Eagles are right in that kind of area, in that 8 to 10 point range. So uh, I think I might have to go with Washington here. I really think Case Keenum's looking for some revenge after what happened a couple of years ago. So I think he's going to go in there. He's really going to show those Philadelphia fans who kind of mocked that, that skull chant when he was on the field getting his butt kicked 38-7. to I think he had left a little bit of a bad taste in his mouth. So I really think Washington's going to go into Philadelphia. That front seven is going to wreak havoc on the Eagles' offensive line. Uh, it's I don't know. I think Case Keenum might just really outplay Carson Wentz there in week one. Uh, it's just, it seems like the Eagles, it's kind of like a trap game. It's almost like uh, a really good FBS team playing an FCS team week one, uh, and then that FBS team gets upset. So I, 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 don't, I don't know. Uh, looking at how these picks are kind of going right now, it seems like 94% of people are picking the Eagles, but I guess I'll be part of the 6% to, to pick Washington. He picks against his own team. Some people might. No, I'm just kidding. We're not doing that. <laughs> the Eagles are going to roll over them. It's not going to be close. Would you, it's going to be. Would you take the the DraftKings has them at nine and a half favorites? Would you take the nine and a half? I'll take nine and a half favorites. Oh, it man. ain't going to be close. The Eagles are going to win this by at least fourteen points, two touchdowns, easy peasy. Josh McCown's going to get some action late in the fourth quarter. It's going to be wow. a great way to open the season. Wow. Okay. Um, another team that's favored by a lot. Uh, is the Seattle Seahawks hosting the Cincinnati Bengals, I think. Ryan, you and I are going to go with Russell Wilson and the crew because we don't think the Bengals are going to do much this year. Uh, We talked about it off mic that the Bengals might have the worst record possibly. Um, Again, are you taking the the points in this one for the Seahawks? I think they're at nine. I might take the points. Uh, I don't know. That's tough. Uh, But my my boy Russell Wilson and my boy Chris Carson – my boy Tyler Lockett, uh, I think that they're going to... Your boy John Ritchie. Yeah, everybody, really. They're just going to get off to a, a good start in week one. Uh, it's They're, it's, they're going to have a lot to, to deal with this year. They're going to have a lot of teams in the NFC that are you know, going to be vying for a playoff spot, and they're one of them, so they need to get off to this this quick start, and uh, what better team to do that against than the, than the Bengals? was really looking forward to this matchup. I thought it was going to be Andrew Luck going to Los Angeles to square off against Phillip Rivers and the Chargers, and unfortunately that is not the case. And because of that, I think that the Chargers are going to have a much easier time. I don't want to say that it's an absolute slam dunk, but even without Melvin Gore, the Chargers shouldn't have much of an issue defeating the Colts this upcoming Sunday. I agree. Not much to really talk about. As I said, I do like Brissett. I think the Colts will be in contention for a playoff spot all year, but the the Chargers are just a, a better team all around, and it's, they, they should have a little issue beating the Colts week one at home. 
We talked about the Eagles versus the Redskins. Now it's the other division matchup that's happening this week, the Giants and the Cowboys. Ryan, again, I think that we're kind of talking around the same narrative. Maybe not as many points being scored for the Cowboys as you would say for the Eagles, but again, at the end of the day, the Cowboys shouldn't have much trouble, and it should be a very easy win for them against the New York Giants on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I don't see any reason why the the Cowboys shouldn't win. I mean, you look at the the Giants, how they're kind of set up right now. They don't have a quarterback. They don't have a lot of wide receivers. Uh, the offensive line, there's still, I'd say, a couple question marks, even though they did bring in Zeitler uh, this offseason. Uh, the defense is a mess. Uh, it's just, yeah, there's there's no reason to think that the Cowboys can't can't win week one. It's, uh, Nick, I got to tell you, it's it, – I'm getting real tired of seeing the same matchup week one every year. I wish they would kind of change it up a little bit. <laughs> what would you rather than I do? don't – it's just – I know – They didn't play week one last yeah, year. I think they played week two. <laughs> yeah, but, okay, exactly. It's, I know they got to play at some point. I know that if you're the league, you want a lot of eyes on your opening weekend, but j- just j- change it up. It, it, this has been, I want to say, a week one matchup I, at least four out of the last five years. It, it seems that way at least. I need something different. Would you rather? Would you have rather had Dallas be the one that traveled to Philadelphia for Week One and not Washington? I don't care. It's I. I just need something different. It's just lazy on the schedule makers' part. Like, oh, okay, well, let's just do the same matchup again for the fifth time. You know, it's just something different. Something different would be would be great. Something different, something new, and that's what you're going to see when the Arizona Cardinals play host to the Detroit Lions this week in Arizona. I think Cliff Kingsbury is finally going to unleash that offense that everybody is looking forward to seeing. Kyler Murray is going to play well, and every week we're going to try to do this, but I'm going to give you my upset pick of the week, and I have the Cardinals winning at home to get Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury first win really looking forward to seeing that game i got kyler murray playing my number one quarterback spot in fantasy think he's going to do really really well and i think the cardinals are going to win this football game my upset pick of the week that would be the panthers over the rams but i got the Lions over the cardinals uh i don't think the Lions. i don't think either of these teams frankly are going to be very good this year but uh someone has to win and i think that the cardinals offense will be fun to watch i think that if you give it enough time uh, the Cardinals can start contending for wins, but I think the Lions will go into to Arizona week one and bring home a W. Two teams that we're not really sure what we're going to get out of them in the San Francisco 49ers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jimmy Garoppolo coming off a knee injury and then Bruce Arians becoming the new head coach in Tampa Bay. Ryan, this was a coin flip for me. I, I kind of didn't know what to do, so I just stuck with uh, – I almost said Kansas City. I just stuck with San Francisco just because of what the, the coin said. Not really anything to go off of. Just flipped a coin, said, hey, heads is San Francisco, tails is Tampa Bay. Okay, it landed on heads. All right, we'll go San Francisco. I'm going to go Tampa Bay. I don't really know what to expect from San Francisco this year, Nick. Uh, it's, I'm excited to see what Jameis can do. In Bruce Arians' offense, this is basically his last chance. If he can't get it to work now, he's never going to get it to work. So I'm excited to see what Tampa Bay does offensively week one. I'm excited to see if the offense will be as advertised. And if it is, I think they can win week one against the 49ers. The Super Bowl champions are going to close out Sunday night with a home game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
Ryan, I know that we have seen the Patriots lose this game before, but it's not Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, and Big Ben squaring off against the Patriots. It's just Big Ben and Juju Smith-Schuster. So I have to take the Patriots. I think they're going to run the ball a lot. I think the defense is going to play really, really well, and I think they're going to keep this game under 30 points for each side, and they're going to be able to come out victorious. Yeah, I think the Patriots are going to win too. I think that the game will be closer than people think. I think Mike Tomlin is going to get these guys in the right mindset. And I think the Steelers will have something to prove that they can win without Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. Of course, they proved they can win without Bell last year, but I think this team has a lot to prove. I just don't think it happens week one. The Patriots are just far and away a better team, and I think that it will show on Sunday night. And the Monday night ESPN doubleheader special, we have Texans at Saints and Broncos at Raiders starting off with the first game, Ryan. I have the New Orleans Saints winning over the Houston Texans. And to go off of the HBO Hard Knocks show, it is going to be an exciting week one victory as John Gruden gets his boys to 1-0 over the Denver Broncos at the Black Hole. So I'm going to go with the Saints as well in in week number one. Uh, I think that this is uh, obviously the better of the two matchups. I think it'll be a lot of fun seeing early season Drew Brees squaring off against Deshaun Watson, that high-powered Texans offense. But I think that uh, the Saints should be able to take that one. And in the nightcap, I have the Broncos going into Oakland and beating the Raiders. As I said, I'm not very high on the Raiders. I think you got to give them a little longer. I think the Broncos are just a little further along, and I think that they can definitely go into Oakland and pick up their first win of the season. All right, so that will conclude the first episode of the Untitled Football Podcast. Mr. Waldis, it was a wonderful episode one to where we went through all of our preseason predictions and even got to go through week one of the NFL season. Before we sign off, do you have any final thoughts for the audience out there? Go Birds! Here he screams into the microphone. Go Birds, everybody. Enjoy week one of the NFL season, starting off with the Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears for Ryan Waldis. My name is Nicholas Hopper. You've been listening to the Untitled Football Podcast. Enjoy the rest of your day.